Oh, I love it. Well, I was going to say before we start the yeah. main shot, I just wanted to quickly get your thoughts. Um, any thoughts on uh, Vince McMahon's pedo moustache before you go? or like? Into, uh... <laughs> you were trying to prod me today, like, yeah, we, I, I, was, I was biting a bit in our chat. But I'm so good. Obviously, there's a serious element to the story that we'll get into on the main show, but I'm so desperate for a picture to come out. Like, there's been two oh. very good photoshops so far. We've both been fake. Berbatov. We've both me. <laughs> <laughs> why is he? Why was Berbatov made? That makes That was why Berbatov around. The one that was just Vince, and you could just see the corner of Berbatov's head. It did fool me. And then the longer I looked at it, I was like, I'm sure that's Berbatov. And then somebody got like the full pit. What's he? What pits he made in JP? Like he's working in creative. Did you not know this, Dimitar Berbatov? <laughs> not Fulham. Is it not the Fulham kit? I thought what he was in a Monaco kit, isn't it? I thought it was the, it was the Monaco is, yeah. kit. Well, Vince looks old, yeah. doesn't he? Honest, so it's not the Fulham here because Vince. Why is Vince in Monaco? Why Berbatov in a WWE show? That's the other possible explanation. Why is Berbatov in Connecticut? None of it makes any sense. Oh. I, I like to I like to think that like he's had some more facial surgery and he's just like lost his top lip altogether, so he's just had to like tape a muzzy over it or something like that because he's got a big hole there. <laughs> That's what I like to think. That couldn't be that you mightn't be that far away with that kind of, to be honest. That's what uh, your matey and Andrew Dice Clay said, Matty, that uh, the Vince has had uh, so many facelifts now, it's actually his pubes on his top lip. <laughs> on his top lip. Oh, can I Give him another shout out today of how however he found the clip of Sandman doing yeah. a I'll British house show. How and he comes out not to enter Sandman but to the BBC golf theme music <laughs> during the open. <laughs> which I'm hoping that the reasoning behind this is somebody thought Sandman. Oh, it's a golfing gimmick, yeah, isn't it? He just thought like. <laughs> Brilliant. He oh, just yeah. comes out with a fucking sand wedge. It's a great moment. With a cracking short game. But yeah, He's, he gives the beer to a kid, doesn't he? He does the beer stuff with the BBC golf theme playing. And then <laughs> and, and then underneath, if you haven't seen this, character, it's incredible. It. He gives the beer to the like, kid. <laughs> There's 20 people, of which 10 of them are at least like under eight. As yeah. well, and the Sandman's there. Full give it. Those ECW lads. They want to throw Stabu and Bootle. Didn't care. There was kids in the audience. He was oh, going through some tables. Sandman was drinking his fucking beers. That's fucking. Yeah. What did he come out to? The sports night theme. Tune <laughs> <laughs> that, That was a fucking tune. Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Benham. I'm JP. And I'm Gareth. Back together. It's the OG3. Three of us here again. <laughs> Gareth making his glorious return to podcasting after, I don't know what, five days. Um, <laughs> welcome back, mate. Good to have you. <laughs> it's normally all behind the paywall now, though, isn't it? So, like, it, feel, it kind of feels days. a bit weird to be doing, like, an actual Spotlight main show. It's probably, is it the first one since, like... What's that time you God. It must around the time of punk, probably just went, or was it after yeah, that? Yeah, it must be the um, it must be the Christmas stuff. Was that on the main feed? Yeah, like, I think we did like, like an op- year we did like an, or something like that. We did like an AEW catch up at the start of December, yeah, or the end of November around then. And um, we had basically we were we were planning on doing an, an AEW. Keep 
keep wanting to say ROH here. Yeah, that's a Freudian slip. AEW um, <laughs> review, but we just did it on a spotlight randomly instead. <laughs> so that's it. We managed to talk here, mate. Um, them. You can't leave podcasting, mate. No one really retires. I was going to say, the wrestling business, isn't it? The, those fake retirements. <laughs> Said at the time, the old Terry Funk forever. <laughs> putting putting bloody um, Mick Foley to shame, though, aren't you, with this, this kind of behaviour, Gareth? I'm loving it as well. But coming back behind a paywall for the cash, I'm loving that sign. Well. <laughs> it's not that much cash either, that's the, the problem. Yeah. But, uh... <laughs> I was going to say, Matt, Matty gets it all now. <laughs> Fucking <does. laughs> He's worth his way in, hasn't he? Matty on his pay appearance deal. Uh, giving too much um, background here. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> is that how you justify it to Sarah? It's just the money. The money's too good. I have to keep going back. That's what it is. <laughs> or she just, she got to have you on a podcast. <laughs> it's, it's my social life. Yeah. <laughs> Who's saying that? Like, I don't go anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Very much part of the social life. But no, um, yeah, we've done loads of stuff recently, haven't we, recording-wise? You might as well go straight into the plugs. It's a busy show tonight. Yeah, we've got a million this things. One. Uh, you might have made oh, yeah. like, a bit of the uh, the pre-show uh, there, uh, non-patrons. Mm-hmm. Where, uh, fuck, fuck load coming up. JP, you dropped uh, your, the latest um, not Star Trek um, show into the uh, into the uh... Mandalorian, mate. That's shocking behaviour. <laughs> that's even for you. What's that's, that call that's on, the, on the Patreon document? I'm not allowed to say on there. You and you and WH. It wasn't complimentary. It's the regular Star Wars, uh, whenever there's Star Wars content that's uh, that's out there on Disney uh, on Disney Plus. We tend to tend to be watching it. So it's Mandalorian back with the the world's biggest actor Pedro Pascal. Are you, are you fully up to date with Last of Us? I am. Surely yeah. you should watch it every like day. It drops every uh, every time. Oh, I'm, only, I'm only the first episode in. So uh, I like I was getting Sarah to watch it. I was like, this is going to be the big show of the year. We like watch the first one, and then she was like, nah. she was like, I'm not having more Walking Dead. And I was like, oh, like, so, like, she just, like, basically just dismissed it as that. So I'm now about, what, six episodes behind or something like that? Yeah, it's the the series finale next week. Is it? Fuck. Yeah. Yeah, it's only nine episodes. Like, and that's the game. That's the first game, like, completely done. And well and truly out of the way. So yeah, I'd highly recommend it. But anyway, but Pedro Pascal, if you're not if you're missing him and that, he's in the Mandalorian. So we reviewed the first episode of season three. Had a, went through a lot of the kind of Easter eggs and, and stuff on that. Obviously, we've mentioned it last week. We've just had the Dealer's Choice Month with some absolutely mighty epic picks of uh uh covering Austin, Jericho, Fritz von Eric, and uh, Samoa Joe, four not necessarily pillars. in that order. The four pillars of wrestling, aren't they? Four pillars of One of which is considerably darker than the others. I know, we got up some stuff at Samoa Joe, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we were, t- were talking about on the pressure, we've got another King of the Mountain pick uh, coming up uh, from uh, Chris Platt, which is our uh, uh, the Ring of Honor fifth year festival mm. in uh, the two day festival in, in Leeds. Liverpool. Leeds, Liverpool, same thing. <laughs> oh, not north of the Watford Gap. There he is, southerner. Typical guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't, Latin. can't fucking wait for that one, as people can probably uh, imagine that'll be uh, coming soon. Complete the uh, the ROH and uh, in Liverpool, proper ROH and uh, in Liverpool uh, trilogy. They did come back years later, but it doesn't count. Um, so yeah, that'll be that's going to be uh, in the mix as well. Excited to do that. Got plenty of uh, we would observe this uh, this week on uh, on Feinstein and yeah. ROH in uh, in two thousand and four to keep the ROH theme uh, going. 
go and look at the In edition fact. of the Observer. That was a poll. I I didn't even fix that one. Yeah. People voted for it. They want to hear us talk about uh, the edition of the Wrestling Observer when uh, when Rob Feinstein uh, got uh, got done. Like I I'm, I'm enjoying. It. We we pioneered that series, by the way. Observe this, JP. None of none of this Wade Keller trying to uh, get in on our act with his with his with his little go looking back at the newsletter show on YouTube as if he's got the right JP. It's almost like he wrote the thing in it. In, in his defence, he's written these newsletters himself. The fucking brilliant, than, by the way. I loved it. I watched it. It was like that's what I wanted. Oh, yeah. Like that's why we started the show. Go back. We went back and he looked at um, Kenny Von er- Kerry Von Erich's uh, death in 1993 and went like cover to cover through the edition of the torch. It's on their YouTube. Um, yeah, you can have the idea. Go for it, Wade. It's uh, it's yours. Mate. Yeah. Oh, big day again. In fairness to him. He wrote them. Yeah, beat away. Dave did it, and he'd be lost down a fucking Roy Shire hole, wouldn't he? The wormhole that we wouldn't be getting out of. Mm. Be going like talk. Hear the word cow palace, and he'd be like, oh, "Fuck this." <laughs> it's like listening to that other bloke on the Observer Network, or who skipped his shows, whatever his name was. Um, Carl Stern. That's the one. But yeah, there'll be uh, plenty of that stuff uh, out there. Obviously, we got um, as uh, Matthew revealed on the on the pre-show. You guys uh, with there uh, with Patron Liam are going to be uh, doing a special podcast, looking at time mm. um, and looking at uh, you know a day in a not as a concept, by the way. This is not like some theoretical physics. Thing it kind of is, on. you know, like a, it, it's like a you know a slice of like oh, yeah. looking at like the TV at the time, music, all of that stuff. Uh, Matty gave it the big sell before, so uh, yeah, you can uh, oh yeah you can look forward to uh, to that as well. Uh, um, yeah, I've got a million things uh, coming, including um, I recorded uh, over the weekend at uh, a special with uh, with Steph, mm. who's uh, currently in San Francisco, um, re- reviewing uh, Dynamite and uh, and Rampage live. Uh, we're going to be, I'll be catch, we'll be doing something uh, this week as well um, while she's in uh, in Sacramento uh, to cover the uh, the pay per view too. But if you can't wait for that on the Patreon. Um, we should get into it now, lads. Uh, speaking of which, uh, we're going to be uh, talking uh, that mm. today. Uh, the AWPP. We get that's why we get Gareth back. We get him for the uh, the big shows. That's the uh, the unofficial arrangement. Matty's our WWE guy. Gareth, you're our uh, you're our AW guy, aka we force you to do a big AW catch up in the uh, four days before every pay per view. Uh, add the catch up go this time, mate. As you're, uh, let's check back in with uh, with Gareth and his uh, and his AW fandom. Uh, I mean, it's. I think I said on that like Friday show with like JP, it's like it's it's I've it's good. I've enjoyed it, like caught up and things, and like it's been good to to watch. Nothing, I would say, compelling going into this, which which is like or not much compelling going into this, which is kind of the the view I think a lot of people have had really going into yeah. it. Um, but um, at the end of the day, it's for for its faults, for its things that you can nitpick on week to week basis and things like that. You know, it's still the wrestling show that's going to make me want to catch up on it. And, you know, I'm even still catching up on Rampage. I think you've been giving Rampage a bad rep, JP. I've kind of been listening along, feeling like I wanted to uh, jump in there and do a bit of defender. There's been some been some good stuff on those Rampage catch-ups as well. Rampage just hitting away for 200,000 people to watch. Rampage and the trio's You'll never hear me defend those. Uh, never, never, never. I've, I've still got, like, visions of, like, you know, Big Josh and Z Man and things like that getting Dustin Rhodes getting forced together just for a random you know six man title run for two weeks in WCW or whatever at the time never worked those belts I'm with JP firmly in that camp fuck them off 
<laughs> oh, love it. Well, yeah, that's the thing. It's it's always interesting to see because like we're we're kind of in the in the in the mud. Me and JP, we're having to uh, cover this stuff week to week, and sometimes I think we can always you mm. can't always see the forest for the trees, Canyon, and kind of like the uh, the overall. But I don't know. Would you agree with us going into this pay per view? Like a, like that it was. I don't know. Is, does Tony Khan do this on purpose? Does he like slow things down in the two weeks before the pay per view <laughs> to make us all go? Oh, I'm not sure I'm into AEW right now, and then delivers like. The best part does it make the pay per view better? Like the the worse the build is, the better the pay per view is. Like is, is there something to that? Is there a formula he's putting together here? Is it like is it a purposeful decision? It always seems to be the way, doesn't it? Like I think before every pay per view, we're always like saying that. Like why is that? Is that the go home show? Is that the thing that they were like leading into the big show with? And then like you know the pay per view buys always seem to like book the trend and seem to have done better than people thought they were going to do and things things like that. But it's I don't know. I'd, I'm starting to think like we gave a lot of credit for a number of years about all this, you know, planning and all this sort of, you know, like try, like magic formulas and all this. That never. I'm starting to think there's just that there's no formula at all. It's just throw shit against the wall, and sometimes it's good, sometimes it's shit. Mm. Sometimes you sometimes you run a show that's got three title matches on it with fucking, you know, whatever, Kenny Omega against fucking whatever hangman page or something like that and it gets like seven hundred thousand viewers and then the next week you put on a main event it's like qe marshall against fucking you know jack stars or something like that and it draws like 1.1 million or something like that dream it's just random it's it's totally it's totally random one week to the next there's, a, there's almost like no rhyme or reason and i think they've almost just thought ah oh, fuck it we'll just uh, throw whatever out and we'll we'll get the numbers anyway. The lads will the lads will put the money in the, their hands in the pocket to see uh, Danielson against MJ or Mox against Sangman Page and lo and behold, you do that and you know what you're going to do. Is it going to be bad? Of course, it's not. That that's what I felt like on Sunday going into it. It was just like, and I said, you know, people were asking for predictions on like the uh, the buys for this one. It looks like it's done in the. The, the normal range, but what has become the new normal, you know, 130 to 140,000. It's just like, I, as much as, like, you know, we can critique the week to week and not love the build to some of these matches and stuff, I, I literally said that on Twitter. I don't believe the people who said they weren't going to watch it. I think uh, even Matty, you know, we just had him on the pre show mm. there. He watched his, uh, his selected group of matches uh, from this thing. I think, uh, I don't know, as wrestling brands, we, uh, we don't protest too much sometimes, JP. We do, but I mean, I think it can be very true that, you know, this idea that, you know, only you only get amazing cards off great builds. No, this is like the build for this one, while I would say overall not as bad as like Forbidden Door, which was a complete mess. Mm. It's the same kind of idea almost with the pay-per-view where it's like almost having those expectations lowered meant I came into here with the, like kind of just the slightly lower expectations of not feeling as up for it. And then, you know, then the show begins and it's, you know, we'll go deep into the weeds on it. It'll be up there as one of the shows of the year. Yeah. It'll be hard to get away with it. There'll be things on this. They'll be well up there in match of the year. And you've spoken about the metrics. I mean, I think we both said around 125, like 130,000 consistently on pay-per-view is not to be sniffed at. When they get their cut, that's an easy 3 million or so. $800,000 house as well. Like they're not going to be like kind of sniffy about these things. And, you know, so from that, in that perspective, it's a, you know, it's very much success, but it's, I think it's, it's when it hits the TV for pay-per-view in some ways, it's easier to structure. And if you've got all these 
brilliant wrestlers, you are going to come up with some kind of great combinations and stuff. For the TV is where it's like, how do we extend the feud over a period of time? That's the stuff that's that appears to be like the kind of big kind of creative problems. I, but I almost feel like the TV, and we said that over Christmas, like I, again, I've said it a million times, like that six-week run over Christmas, like probably mm. my favourite period, outside of maybe when Punk first came in in AEW history. Absolutely loved it. They clearly went off the boil, you know, over the uh, the last uh, few weeks of stuff. You know, the, the the period around, you know, Jay Briscoe's death kind of, you know, was a, a weird couple of week period as well. It is on maybe it's the too long between pay per views, you know, argument that that, that that you often hear as well. Uh, maybe that's part of it as well. But like, I don't know. I maybe I maybe push back a bit on that. It's easy to put these pay per views together because I still think, wow, it because it, because I think yeah. you've got a. You've got to lay it Easier. out as well. Yeah, yeah. It's and and you know the argument we'll always make, JP. Like to, to your point is, at the end of the day, no matter how quote unquote bad the the creative might be, in, in certain feuds and certain things aren't you know done week to week that that maybe you might hope in the build to these pay per views or certain programs maybe ran out of juice a bit you know before the pay per view, which kind of felt like the uh, the case for a couple of these like. At the end of the day, the best wrestlers in the world are going to get in there, and you put them against each other. They're going to come out with great matches. We said that about Forbidden Door, you know, and that's the thing that this roster has: some of the very best wrestlers in the world. Um, and you know, the combinations that you give are, are going to deliver. But at the same time, you know, that not every AW pay per view is hit like this. This is right up there mm-hmm. with Forbidden Door for me as one of the you know the greatest uh, AW pay per views of all time. I think a lot of its layout. I think the layout of this one was. There's a couple of nitpicks I can make, you know, a couple of matches I might have moved here and there, but as close to perfect as you could hope. I almost feel like having that mm-hmm. hour Ironman match at the end as well. I feel like that kind of helped in that it meant the undercard got, you know, pushed through a lot quicker. I think that really helped in the layout of this pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. I almost think if you could do that in future, just pretend you've got an hour Ironman match at the end and just keep this kind of yeah. pace going, it can work. Like, for me, I put it to you, Gareth, I thought this was one of the better laid out pay-per-views um they've done as well because how many times have we sat in and gone i enjoyed lots of stuff on this pay-per-view it was just you know a slog and i thought this one was gonna be the slog of slogs or that i am a match at the end of it but i feel like they nailed that um on this one as well as we are uh, before we go through the matches themselves yeah definitely i think as well like a big part of this is just that you know it's the cliche isn't it of like less is more but like mm. it did feel like there was just less crammed in here the you know the stuff that they moved to dynamite last week like the um smart, yeah. you, you, you know that was like just totally the right move there was you know mm. there, there wasn't this need to be like oh we've got to get sting on oh we've got to darby allen on oh we've got to make sure absolutely everyone's on the card here and like squeeze everyone in all these different you know matches there was a bit more like discipline i felt like on this card which is probably like one of the things that you've like criticized Tony Khan for a lot in the past is that lack of discipline and getting a bit too carried away with certain things. And like, I think from a length of pay-per-view, like I was pleasantly surprised when I like fired up, you know, fight to watch it. And I saw like the length, I was like, Oh, awesome. Can't, you know, I was, I was half expecting it to be like five and a half hours or something like that, that you mm-hmm. needed to watch. But obviously it was, it was, it was well, well short of that. And I think on that point as well, I think sometimes when you kind of like, take that step back and you think of things like you talk about those great weeks of TV and then there's been some like good stuff in recent weeks. There's been a few like couple of shows that have maybe a bit, been a bit less than there is that part of me as well, where you kind of, I don't know, probably step away from doing this show every week that makes mm-hmm. you think like, well, what do we expect kind of thing? Like there, there is, a, there's all that when we kind of like 
you have to ha have an opinion and critique it on a week to week basis. You are looking for those kind of like nuanced things to be brilliant all the time. You are looking for that like level of detail. You are looking for, you know, these various different stories and feuds and things that intertwine. I mean, really, you take a step back and you go, do you know what? If somebody can deliver a pay per view and there's like three or four matches on there that have got a bit of half decent backstory to them there's like wrestlers on there that you know are going to be given 20 minutes or 15 minutes to go out and like work a good match that's probably as good as you can ever hope for because again how long have we been starved of that and you know i'm as you know as you know to blame as anybody you know i'll you always be going into it been like oh well there was nothing you know why were they having a match or you know there was mm -hmm. oh that was a bit of a poor build and things like that actually it can't you know it can't it can't be all you know at that level and to be honest i think when i look down this card like retrospectively you know preparing to come on here tonight i was thinking do you know what there was probably the right balance there between things that were just like not throw away but they were like they were there there was a reason for the to be on the card they served a purpose and then there was stuff on the card that was definitely more important and it was closing a story or it was building to something else or it was making a title feel more important and things like that so again i think that's just where that, that balance and discipline came in definitely definitely and that's the thing you know there's going to be you know the, the tag match for example something like you know i rallied against and i said that on the, the daily update actually ended up being perfect for its spot on the card for what it kind of needed to be um hmm. there's loads of that you know when, when we uh, when we get into the show and like you say that's the thing with it with aw you know we we love it so we you know we look at the bad we look at the good and we try to talk about both but then you, you know compare it for what's on the other channel you know dude we've done one good story in 20 years and you know they're, <laughs> they're triple h is apparently the book of the year as me and jp talked about it last week i can say that quietly while matty's not here hopefully he doesn't it doesn't look like <laughs> <laughs> what are you gonna say jp I was going to say, it also, on that point, company makes has always been making loads of money, is very good at making money. Like, I don't think that's yeah. a, necessarily a, a, a big shock to say, <laughs> say about how, how great they are. Look at them, they're making money. It's like, yeah, kind of like they have been for the last few years, haven't they? Yeah. Um, I, I think there's there's even interesting things, I think, even with the zero hour, which I don't know how much we're yeah, really going to talk it. about, but just in terms of the restructure of it. Did you watch that live? I, no, I didn't. So I, on Monday... I got up. I didn't know any of it. I didn't know any spoilers. I, I'd had a good guess. I'd, I tried to get a Skybet account in place, which actually was a good thing because I would have lost if I because I, I saw you doing trebles and doubles. I thought I want that action, and but Paddy Power didn't. So like, 17, I was like, oh, I, <laughs> spend twenty five. We should be winning money on it, really. If we can't win money on betting on wrestling, then we're oh, fucked. Yeah. You know, I, I, don't, I, I don't want to hear you two trying to fucking decipher <laughs> odds again, having listened to no, that. It's, it's, like, not this, not this nonsense. I said four or one on, and you know that. Um, <laughs> but I think that the structuring of the zero hour, where we spoke about, like Gareth spoke about the overload. I think it was like one, is it double or nothing? It's got 15 matches on it. It had three on the, on the pre-show and it had 12 on the main car. And it was ridiculous. It was the most overblown kind of like amount of matches you needed for it. And in many ways, what they did, and it didn't always work, but having Renee Paquette and RJ City and kind of using Renee Paquette in that way, which she, she she's great at it in terms of like an off-the-cuff interview and everything else, very good. I don't think all the RJ City bits kind of worked necessarily, but it was something different. The match was there to just warm up the crowd yep. rather than it feeling like, well, we've put this match on the pre-show well, why didn't you know? Why didn't you have that on Dynamite instead? Like the things like Face of the Revolution ladder match, which doesn't need to be 
on the Revolution card. That's perfectly fine having that on an episode of Dynamite beforehand. And I think the idea of of just having a kind of trios match there to warm the crowd up, but not let them see loads of big stars yet at this point in time. I think I think that was just a, that was a cannier mood, and I think it goes into that idea of discipline I think it, as well. Yeah, it was. It felt like a discipline pre-show, a discipline kind of choice of what you go with, leaning into a card that has shown more restraint than we thought it would do. Yeah, and I think you go back to those early AEW days, and you know we always bring it up the no legs one and all the you know the battle royal and some of the shit they you know the blue pants stuff that the, uh, the librarians all of that they they did on the early ones. It was almost like they didn't know what a pre show was. They didn't know a pre show <clears throat> was there to sell the fucking pay per view. <laughs> and this one went extremely the other way to the point where I'd actually maybe now argue maybe there should have been more than I maybe have two matches because there was a lot of dead air. I don't even think it was. That was the thing about it. Watching it live, it really wasn't that entertaining to watch because you were watching, you know, Renee and, you know, RJ City kind of struggle to fill air in a very WWE pre-show kind of way. But what Mm. it did was it did its job for people who weren't me who hadn't bought the pay-per-view yet. It was given that hard sell. You know, there were varying bits that did a better job of hard selling than others. But in principle, the idea was right, I think. I'd make, like I say, an hour's a long time to go with a lot of speaking and one match. I think I'd do two with that. That's the only change I'd probably make. But I agree with you. You know, it was, that's what a pre-show should be, you know? I mean, it, I yeah. joked, you know, we were hard, I was half expecting uh, Booker T and uh, Jelly Lawler to turn up and start talking some bollocks when uh, Renee and RJ were, were going on a bit because that's kind of the uh, the WWE pre-show formula, isn't it? So you don't want to lean too far in that direction, but no, I'm with you. That's that's what the pre-show should be should be there for. It should be to sell the show. And it's like no massive takes from the match itself. It was just a fun six-man match to juice the crowd up and get them going, but didn't mm-hmm. burn them out either with like a, a big night uh, coming up as well. So no, but that was uh, that was perfect. I also think as well, aren't they going to be doing something like Dem Lucha Boys with Mark uh, Briscoe yeah. and Lucha Brothers? Which, you know, I can see why, but it's very much like kind of challenger for the week for a title that dare not, I dare not speak its name. But it, it's, yeah, it's, it felt like if nothing else, it achieved that, but it wasn't overkill. Fair enough. Well, going from there into the uh, into the show itself, um, yeah, we kicked off with uh, with Jericho and uh, and Ricky Starks um, was the uh, the hot start to the show. Chris Jericho, as always, uh, gets his way. Um, <laughs> made sure he was open there. Uh, like this match was anywhere else on this card, it might have struggled, um, considering it was one of the few straight up just one on one matches um, on the show. Um, I think uh, Wardlow and uh, and Samoa Joe were the kill for this spot, or to possibly go on after this one. Um, but yeah, um, Jericho, uh, he's like he's like me on the uh, the Patreon shows. JP, if I'm not first, I'm last, and if he's not last, he's first. That's what uh, that's what Jericho does with the with these shows. And yeah, we had you know some critique to the the build of this one. Definitely wasn't hugely excited going in, considering you know, we'd all already seen Ricky Starks uh, go over um, Jericho, and it was kind of a a very long route back to Starks once again going over Jericho. But it wasn't guaranteed. You know, it was definitely something I considered when I was doing. But yeah, be betting lines that maybe uh, Jericho might get his win back here. But yeah, tidy little open and match JP and the and the right result. Um, I don't know where. Uh, what more can you uh, can you ask from this one? And let's just uh, you know hope and I think I expect Ricky Starks walks away from uh, from the JAS and uh, yeah, this is done. Yeah, that was that was why I liked it. Is it came out and I actually thought, okay, we've had the right result and it was pretty comprehensive. Um, I think there's the kind of for me, there was like two really good moments into it. I think one of them was the the spear that Starks goes for that 
Jericho reverses into the code breaker. And then obviously the block of the Jesus effect, which the crowd had really popped for as well. And then, you know, leading to him getting the Rochambeau. But it was the right result. I mean, I feared in my head it was like no JAS and then Action Andretti was going to turn on him. And he'd be lost in an internal feud with somebody who is isn't going to amount to anything on this. And, you know, I know Gareth is ready to be the low man on the Ricky Stark stuff for this. I mean, I went three and a half in the sense that I thought it was a good, fun opener. And I agree with you. If it wasn't anywhere else in this card, how well would it have done? If we'd opened up with Joe versus Wardlow, that might have been like kind of in the same position. We spoke about, oh, it's a good heated opener and it was fun to watch at the time. And then Jericho Stark smacks doesn't have the same kind of effect later on. But I, it was, it was, what did it achieve? It was the right result. It felt like we've moved past this, thank God. Um, uh, Starks Jericho, I have to say, and I know that he's old and I know he's got himself into great shape. It appeared to be that he was slightly out of shape as well, Jericho, for this, which seems incredibly harsh for a man who's eight years my senior. And I would, you know, if you if you said to someone, oh, all right, you're in your early fifties and you're gonna have a body like that, you think, Yeah, all right, I might end up taking that. It's probably it's, as good as it's gonna get. Yeah. His problem's probably yeah, he also had a, a good night the night before, um, out on the town with the yeah. Lampolin or whatever the uh, the AW party posture was doing that night. Um trying to keep up with the uh, the kids in uh, in all directions there. But yeah, what did you uh, would you make of uh, of this one, uh, Gareth? Uh, JP's huge up there. Ricky Starks, you know, when I saw him on the uh, the presser after this one coming out, in a, uh, in a vest uh, with sunglasses on doing rock impressions, uh, I just thought of you, mate, and thought, yeah, I'm sure he's won, uh, won Gareth over now, surely. No, I mean, I don't want to be like coming across like I hate Ricky Starks or something like that. It's just like, I just can't, I just hate this idea that like people like pos- position him as like his like main event player to come or something like that because he's not I think he's bang average and to me like this this match was just bang average as well like it was three 3.2 star match which I suppose it's the first match on the card and things but there was there was nothing here that was like particularly overwhelming in in any way anyway to me it was just a nice little opener to the show I think um you know, I think to be honest, I mean, again, I don't want to like come across like the whole selling fetish, but they're like, you know, for me, he's come there with his crappy little rib tape where he's like one, one row of tape around his ribs to sort of like demonstrate that he's got a rib injury. Jericho works it for the entire match. Ricky Stark's entire offense for the match is based around him lifting this guy who's about twice as heavy as him and like doing all these moves that basically involve core strength. I was just watching it like you change your set, like good wrestlers change their setup. If you've got a, if you've got a you know a injury to your midsection, you adapt, don't you? you? You have to wrestle in a different way, as we saw people do later on in the card who actually you know are top workers and you know do you know do things the the, the right way. To me, it was just like yeah. It was a, uh, it was a, it was a match, a perfectly fine three-star match to open the show, and no further evidence to me that Ricky Stark's coming out of this feud like with a massive, you know, positive rub off Jericho and heading his way to the top of the card. It's just, like I say every time, he's D'Lo Brown, he's not the Rock. <laughs> Were you with him at any point when he was first kind of when he first went over Jericho and they started this feud? Is oh. he less over with you now than he was then, or is it just the same? It's just the same. I don't think he's. I don't think he's like come out of it. I mean, the crowd were the crowd were probably more behind him last night mm. than I've seen on like recent dynamites and things. Where, um, but again, it's opening match on a pay per view. They're always going to get like a you know good 
you know, good reaction for that. But the amount of dynamics recently that I've watched where I've been doing, like, you know, I've literally been watching back-to-back-to-back shows, so seeing a fucking lot of him. The amount of times he comes out and the crowd's barely, like, audible. He does his whole thing where he stands on the top rope and does his fist pump in time to his music, and you can just see, like, maybe, like, two people in the background doing it and stuff. People try and make out like he's massively over. Like, I don't buy it for a second. Like, to me, like, to me I just... I don't see where he. I don't see where he goes. Goes from here, and I feel like he's had opportunity after opportunity after, after opportunity to become something like more than he is. But to me, he's just yep. Yeah, this this mid card guy who's got a bit of faux charisma sort of about him, really. That is just performative rather than natural. Well, for the people who um, hate one way negative on AEW that you uh, you babyfaced yourself to about 10 minutes ago, you've just healed on them, so I appreciate that. <laughs> I've just been JP taking the heat now. Um, but yeah. yeah, no, I've... Is, that, is, that, is that your YouTube clip for this week? <laughs> That's going on, that. <laughs> just that. Ricky Starks is shit in massive letters. Like. <laughs> question mark. you got to have a question mark at the end. Oh, got to clickbait it, right? Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think, um, like for me, I think Ricky's had a weird route. Like it's funny. It very much reminds me. Remember the conversation we had about Booker T and Triple H, and like you, you know, me and JP had our UK fan forum, like you know, opinions from two thousand and two still swirling around our brain. And you just came in and were like, "Yeah, but Booker T was never going to be a main event player." And we that that was these are all stupid kind of thing. You know, we were all chasing after this, uh, this you know, this glory glory period of Booker T on top in the WWE that was never coming. Like I, I think with Starks, I think he's he has he's had like a rocky road. I think. When this started, I do I think he was hot because you know he was he was coming off a, a another hot feud right into it. He went into into this with a with a main eventer, which felt like a step up. You know, it felt like okay, we're going to capitalize on the fact that he's got a bit of momentum right now. He went over Jericho. I felt like he was really hot then. Then the longer this feud went on, I think he did get dragged down a bit by it. He got dragged down by the action and dressy nonsense, um, which you know didn't help yeah. having this you know uncool little brother type who was like helping him out and stuff but then i do think there were weeks where you know he come out and he did get i think he did get big reactions some of the weeks you know it was that one where he was like shushing the crowd down um a few weeks ago on on his big entrance and there's definitely been glimpses of it throughout but i think overall if you'd asked me before sunday i'd say the feud had come had gone from being a positive for him to a negative I feel like this ending and this match, well, you know, I'm not doing somersaults. I went three and a half on it myself. I think it brings him back to that point where he was maybe around the time of the first match. So I think, I don't, I think, you know what I mean? I don't think he's really been elevated massively, but I don't think he's been cooled down. We've kind of gone from a, a low ebb at some point in this feud back up again to, to where he probably should be. So it was a, it was a happy ending for me and I'm, maybe a little bit more bullish on him on him pushing on from here but you know it's not like i don't get those criticisms i can see i can obviously see what, what both of you are kind of saying in terms of the the pros and cons i think the thing is with him is is it's the kind of other different people they need to put him in with there's loads of interesting dynamics that is always possible in AEW because they've got such a varied roster it just felt like they dragged out the jericho stuff for like it the feud had ended Starks had won, but it's still they were mucking around together. And it was just like fundamentally that's that's where your problem lies. And I think that's the issue where you get to the Jericho Appreciation Society, because I think they made a big deal of the fact that, you know, that this was a definitive loss for Jericho. He you know, his finisher is blocked for the first time. It's those kind of things where 
it made me think, are they going to be doing something with the JAS very soon? I wouldn't be surprised. I could see him doing, I think you said a long time ago, Benno, him doing some sort of lone wolf thing. Is that bollock? I mean, I don't know. Am I reading too much into it? I would say the JAS are what everyone says about, you know, I think there's some truth to, you know, you get, you get in a feud with Jericho and you don't escape. Look at Eddie Kingston. Mm. Um, But I think it's more, it's apps. I think it's a little bit overblown too. And I think it's more true of the people in stables with him. You know, that's why Ortiz was frowned up. You know, those those lads, like once you're in, once you're in the Jericho stable, you get a fair amount of TV time and you should be happy with that, but you're you're not going to get your own things to do lads at any point. You know, you're you're kind of in stasis, aren't you? And that, that's true on on the JAS point as well. Like I did think it, you know, bit odd having, um, having Sammy come out when the whole point of the stick was that there was supposed to be none of them at ringside. That was, I suppose that was just there for the Andretti pop, but, you know, uh, the other positive news, JP, is we didn't get the Andretti turn that I uh, theorised we might be getting on the weekend show yeah. as well. So I'll, I'll yeah, but that's we're getting Scrappy Andretti on Wednesday and however long on there, because that's what he is. He's just going to be like a like a deeply annoying sidekick <laughs> who's been uh, poochied onto us all. Does he give you flashbacks to the GCW scrambles we made you watch at WrestleMania weekend, Gareth, when you see uh, <laughs> Mario Andretti? <laughs> he he wishes he, wish he wishes he was good enough to get on one of them. <laughs> <laughs> he's got nothing has he he really hasn't oh, does some flips and not well <laughs> like, yeah. uh, that ladder match I know we're not here to talk about Dynamite but fucking hell like when they went when they went for that spot him and Sammy and uh, almost got his legs caught in the uh, in the giant hula hoop fucking hell like, <laughs> it's, it's, like, there was there was a match it's just it's, I don't know it's like time and it was just all off completely it was like everything seemed to have a bit of a stutter and a thing and like it was it was just off I don't know what like I don't know what um Jericho's fucking smoking, picking him out of the pack like as someone to, to go with when you think of the amount of people on their roster who you could be, you know, putting in a yeah. more pro- prominent position. But um, yeah, that lad ain't going to be around in 12 months, is he? No, no chance. No, I don't think so. We're moving from, from there into the uh, the second match uh, and another wrestler. I know you've had uh, strong opinions on the past, uh, like me, Gareth. Uh, Jungle Boy uh, Jack Perry took on uh, Christian um, in a final burial match. So yeah, our uh, back and forth on the weekend, JP was uh, very quickly out of date about this being an ODQ match. Nope, instead it was a casket match, which I was massively low on going into the show. And then they went out there and it was hokey. You know, there were some silly spots in there. I still don't know how I feel about the melodrama at the end of the match. I was into it in the moment and then like it's sitting with me since. I was wondering whether it was too much. But then overall, like overwhelmingly, I really enjoyed this. I really did. I thought it was great for 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 Jungle Boy. I think he got a a really really solid win. It was a feud that you know I was really high on. You know at a point in time, and it was a real shame that Christine had that injury. And I would argue it was a shame they didn't bring him back just that little bit sooner, rather than you know just trying to heat this back up again on you know microwave it back up in uh, in two weeks. But then they got to the match, and I kind of forgot all that. And the other thing I forgot to the point, Gareth, is you know my uh, my old Christian hater self. You know, for those who think I can't change, I'm a changed man. I'm a Christian guy now. I love them in this entire feud, from the turtlenecks to the promos to the dead oh. stuff to the to the match itself. To was to he came out for this match, lads, in a turtleneck with no sleeves. Like that was enough for me. I was in. He looked like a fucking like a ship bomb villain you'd see in The Simpsons. Like uh, what was his name? Hank Scorpio. That's what he looks like. He went out there. Oh yeah. 
and he fucking put Jungle Boy over. He put him over to the point. I'm wondering if he's ever actually going to come back. Like, I feel like this might be... I don't think he is. Swan song, it? You were the first who said that, JP, and I hadn't even considered that being a possibility. Because I genuinely don't know how he comes back after this. Can you see him on Dynamite on Wednesday feud with someone else? I can't. Like, he's... I can see him appearing at WrestleMania. Yeah. To help edge the, oh, against Judgment Day. Not that. No, he needs to stay here, doesn't he, Gareth? Because we we love Christian oh, now. We have Christian I... fan club being Gareth now. We're uh, we're back into. I want him to stay. I love this. Remember, remember when he signed? Like me yeah. and you, and he just like like, like I didn't shut up about. It. I I turned last year. Like I was like, oh, he's like. Um, is is absolutely just like made me do a complete like uh, one eighty on him and now good good to have you on the uh, on the Christian train with me here yeah, Benno we can uh, we can change our opinions can't we? when good, people yeah. turn out to be good but um, I just think me. that um, I I just think that this um, this to me coming right after that first match was just like a really interesting parallel here because you got Christian who is the experienced veteran who's had this significantly like, you know, good career, who's got name value, who, you know, he knows how to work inside and out. You've got the young guy working with him who's like on the up and, you know, someone who they're putting a bit of stock behind. And this was just like looking at Christian versus Jungle Boy versus Jericho versus Ricky Starks and the other. And it was just like, the comparison was the other way. It was like Christian was like properly putting somebody else over here. You know, to me, like Jungle Boy came out of this looking like someone who he has been like floating a little bit in, in the wild that Christian's been off on TV. But at the back end of this, I was just like, what a baby face. Like, what a way Jungle Boy's come out of the, um, come out of this match, out of this feud. Like where you talk about somebody feeling more than at the point that they went into a feud. Chris, uh, Jungle Boy feels more than he's ever been to me there like stood on that stage at the end when he like finally did that concerto and stuff having like teased his inability to do it and stuff like that goodness in him whereas you know christians provoked that out of him with all the shitty little heel stuff christian did in this match the throwing the soil in the eyes and things like that just all those little all those little things that he did where he's you know he's like the the stuff he's doing with his mother again and his sister and stuff like all these shitbag heel stuff but at the end of the day he put him over good mm-hmm. and proper like you should you know none of this carrying on a feud making it all about yourself for that period of time as we've we saw with like jericho in the in the, in the other end I, no honestly i i fucking love this match and just like i say all of all of the christian heel stuff that you like you, you know you say there right down the attire you know the 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 you know the turtleneck or whatever you fucking call them and stuff but like everything just right down to the shithousery where he was just trying to escape every time that jungle boy was on a fence and then when he was on the attack he was just doing like little just like shitty little heel things like I, I i i really really enjoyed this i went 3.75 i just had a big fucking smile on my face uh, throughout and um you say about where does chris Christian go from here. I just want him to do the same with Darby Allen now, like because he's done with Jungle Boy. That was where like my head immediately went to as he was in that coffin and it sort of went. I was thinking, oh, I can just see some black and white Darby Allen video where you're fucking digging in the soil or something like that, or you know, and just like lead on to that next um, that next under guy that he can then sort of elevate and put 
put over again because I just want more Christian. I just want Christian all over my TV. I love him. I thought you were going to say what our mate uh, Ian Andrew Dice Clay said that, yeah, thought uh, Jungle Boy was going to open the casket and Darby Allen be in there having a wank because he's creepy. It's what he does. Well, maybe that was Trevor Day. I can't remember. But, uh... <laughs> no, I, I'm with you. Loved it. Loved every 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 minute of it. I've loved this Christian run. Are you with us, JP, um, on this one? I went four stars. Yeah, I, I was higher on this because I thought it was it was a, a hell of a lot of fun, and I would agree with loads of of what Gareth has said. I, I think the one thing I'm probably not with you guys on this as well because I think there's that part of me where this is where the next level of discipline needs to come. How much value they're going to get out of other people by keeping them around? If Christian is leaving or something like that, because I think it's two years since he's debuted as well, just wow, to throw that into the mix, wow, is that you know he's been injured for a good few months of those. Well, but it's been that really, on. yeah, they will. <laughs> Big time with his Rey Mysterio. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, but it's a. It, I thought in terms of like what he did, like from the moment I saw the turtleneck with no arms on it, I was like completely sold on it. <laughs> if you're going to have him around, if you had him as like the ultra heel manager, I think there's some great stuff that he could really do there as well. But it'd mean clearing out your shite like Stokely Hathaway and other people, Vicky Guerrero's off. You have him as like, no, this is the supreme right, fucking boss who can take the odd bump as well. Well, have a match if need be, but have him on the background. Just because in terms of, I was thinking about it, it was like, you know, you think Gareth said about the point of actually putting him over. This feud is very much about Jungle Boy. This wasn't a feud about Christian. It was no. always about Jungle Boy. The focus was on Jungle Boy. It was a Jungle Boy's family. It was all about things like, it was all Jungle Boy focus. And that's why it worked. It wasn't, say, like you see with the Jericho feud, where it's really about Jericho and the glory of getting a chance to beat Chris Jericho. It's not, that, that's a very different kind of thing to do. And I think this is the the thing that I really enjoyed about this match. And, you know, it was another one where I kind of wish there hadn't been blood. I get why there is. And there wasn't, there was enough distance between that and the next match that kind of like featured blood in it in, in quite a big way. But I thought this was as good a wrap up to this feud was going to go for Jungle Boy. He feels more mature. I know that the Jungle Boy Jack Perry thing always feels like it's kind of really grating when they're kind of forcing that onto it, but it does feel like he looks and feels different by the end of it as well. Like he looks like someone there who has, is a bit more rough around the edges, like has that kind of bit more kind of grit to him, whereas before it was very much like kind of smiling baby face and he'd be the the kind of wrestler that I would have loathed growing up watching wrestling. I think- and now I can kind of enjoy and that's a purposeful editorial decision, you know. That's the story that's all there, isn't it, JP? That's yeah. the whole thing with him. You know, I still, you know, I'm still, I'm still going to hold on to me little gripes. Still hate the concerto. <laughs> Keep that in 2000. It's just, it's too dead. It's fucking murder, is what it is. Like it literally is. I, I think it, it worked as well here as it could anywhere. But Matt is taking about seven of those in a row back in the day. Well, they just use it as an angle. You know, I'm the yeah, death ten. Match, I'm the deathmatch guy, so I'm not going to like clutch pails about like things being too violent in wrestling. But when they just throw it out on dynamites and stuff like that, I've always just been a bit like, I just feel like this was a death move. I think if it was ever going to work anywhere, it worked here because that was the point, wasn't it, to get over Jungle Boy? You know, you know be willing to be vicious and willing to basically, I thought the commentary maybe went too far and being like, this is a man who's had several, like a 30 concussions or something like that. Like basically being like, he's got to kill him, uh, which he then did. <laughs> and he hit it. And then he, he literally put him in a casket. So I suppose he did kill him. Uh, you know, I, I just find that move a bit goofy, but he, 
to be honest, on the, on this occasion, I feel like he fucking laid it in. It looked like you know there wasn't much distance between the chair and the and the back of Christian's head. Hopefully, he, he is all right coming out of it. But that aside, like I say, the melodrama at the end, you know, I was fifty fifty on. But in the end, I can't just roll with it because I'd enjoyed everything that came before it so much. I enjoyed the ground and Christian gave this feud and what it reminded me of Gareth was when we did the did the Joe Kabashi review the other day and we were watching it and like it hit me a little bit as like an old school ROH fan when you I think you said something like when uh Jamie Noble and um Jimmy Yang were out there you were like you know compared to the other lads on this show you can tell these two they've been to the big show they've got a bit of seasoning and I was like oh, whatever I still think Jack Evans is good you know <laughs> but I knew what I got what you meant same thing with Christian isn't it like you don't I wouldn't want a roster full of Christians. That'd be boring. But like, as a guy who offers something different, and as a, as I always say, it's like a catchphrase of mine: is a grown up in the room on a dynamite that is often full of younger wrestlers who will do what younger wrestlers do. He's proven to be invaluable in this feud, and yeah, I'm with JP in that. Like, I feel like it could be the end of him here, but I hope it isn't. Um, I hope they find a way to to get him back on TV and do a you know some con- some kind of other feud. And uh, it probably you'd probably have to have him off TV for a couple of months. I think that goes without saying, but hopefully they can find some way to reboot him. And as an active wrestler, I wouldn't want him as a as a manager. I'd want him you know in there with you, like you say, your Darby Allens, even your Ricky Starks, your your wrestlers like that, your up and coming baby faces. Christian should be working with all of them. He's too strong a character not to. Like, I'd never even contemplated this idea that he wasn't going to be coming, like, back until I think it was on, on the weekend show when news were talking about it. And I was like, what? What is the news that he's leaving or something? And I was a bit good, Maybe like, right. when I was listening. <laughs> you know, when I was, like, listening to his talk and I, I was just thinking that he's got far too much value on this roster because he just he just gets it. Like, he just he just gets it. He, he, he's, he's someone who, like, when you listen to old, like, podcasts, when you listen to, like, interviews with other people and things, people always talk about Christian being a big detail guy and a big, you know, like, the small elements of things and just understanding what little things you need to do at certain times to make stuff work. And that's just something that seems like it's just followed him around. Like, people always always referencing that and it's something that he's just demonstrated in 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 aw massively and for somebody in a company that's got a lot of like people who are like looking out for themselves there's a lot of fucking ego there's a lot of people who you know unhappiness in certain places and things like that to have someone i know this is a dirty word for you uh, Benno, talking about a wrestler but who is legitimately a professional kind of thing <laughs> somebody somebody who gets it who understands what needs to be done at what time and things he is uh, invaluable on this roster because for what he's done for Jungle Boy there in two years' time, if he can do that for two other guys like and just help help progress them, then it could be like the making of the, the future of the company. And you know, plus he's so he's been so good, damn good at what what he's done that like he's so entertaining. I just want I just want him like I'm a, you know I talk about things like people who tuning into Dynamite every week and thinking about like oh. Do I want to see that? If I, if I I know Christian's on the show, I'm genuinely looking forward to like looking forward to his promo or looking forward to what he's going to do. And you can probably say that about like two other guys on the roster, probably like the others. I'm just like, yeah, 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 it'll be good and it'll be fine. But I don't have to see them. Like you know, if someone's making you uh, excited to watch them, <laughs> keep hold of them, get them on your TV. 
I'm like, oh, often do you think of Dynamite? He's sat backstage just talking to himself about what these kids are doing. <laughs> <laughs> he bet he is, though. But you need someone like that, don't you? you don't, they're not always right either. That's the thing, you know? Do you know a Jim Russell will tut about the uh, the action on some of these other... We haven't talked about the commentary yet on some of these undercard matches. You don't have to listen to them all the time, but they're good to have in the fucking room, aren't they? You know, to offer that oh. contrarian take and offer that bit of uh, wise experience. And um, plus with him, like, again, like, you know, talk about, like, podcasts when when he was off and him and Edge were doing their I podcast, it, yeah. like, when they were both off. They, it was a good podcast, but you could tell that Christian still watched the product, still watched indies, still watched Japanese stuff and things like that. Like, he, he, he definitely had an awareness for who these different people were who were coming through and things when they were talking about them where you kind of, like, got the idea, like, Edge had maybe just heard a name or something like that and he'd maybe been yeah. told to watch one thing. Christian definitely still had his eye on, on the product. And, again, that's another thing that, for me... understands the modern style. He's not an old veteran. Like, I don't get it. Because he was a, he was yeah. a smaller guy himself, wasn't he? You know, he was a quote quote work right guy at one point himself he's not the undertaker looking at it going oh these flippy lads you know tell him brother like yeah. he did with under with uh, nash on twitter this week yeah totally now let's now let's go play some dominoes like big hard men do. Yeah. <laughs> um pull some eye sockets out yeah while we're at it why not um <laughs> Well, speaking of that style, <laughs> up next, uh, we had J- JP uh, has, uh, has, has come back from a little coffee break here for his, uh, his favourite mm-hmm. part of the show. <laughs> Just in time, JP, uh, the Elite versus House of Black uh, came up next on the uh, on the pay-per-view. I mean, I will say, stand by everything I said about the build, um, if there was one. Basically, wasn't. Everything about, uh, you know, the, the, the use of Elite and the use of, you know, the expensive chess pieces that you're using for this match that's third on the card for a title belt that doesn't really matter but i will absolutely say at no point did i doubt that the match itself was going to be fucking great and you know what mm. at least for my taste that i genuinely don't know on you two i haven't seen your uh your grapple ratings they went out there and they delivered the great match you know that, that you want you know there are a million bad ways to do these types of matches and the thing I will say about Kenny in the books, and this has never been in doubt with any of the uh, criticism we'll level at, you know, some of their indulgences and some of their booking and some of the uh, the lack of, uh, you know, uh, maybe motivation to maybe do things that might benefit the company rather than themselves at moments. Um, the thing that they can do is they can fucking give you a banger of a match in this style, in a style that's extremely hard to pull off well. You know, look at Action Andretti. Like, at, in, you know, a high spot filled, all action, you know, 15 20 minute match that had creative stuff in it had great moments in it had a hot as fuck finish in it like i didn't sit down the entire like the entire runtime of uh of this match i think 18, 18 minutes or so it was like absolutely loved this one uh, for what it was you know popcorn wrestling kind of but the best possible type, you know, you can get at that that type of wrestling. Um, I thought Kenny looked incredible. The books looked incredible. House of Black weren't caught in a promo, so incredible. You know, <laughs> mm. Alistair Black's uh, hidden away in a, in a, in a three-man team, so he was absolutely fine by me in this. He's done a million big PWG tags. He knows how to work this style as well. I, I thought this was fantastic, and my biggest thing above all else, JP, I was happy with the outcome of it because it means yeah. House of Black go over not really asked. Yeah, go on then. If you're going to have six-man belts, they could be six-man champions. They can face random teams with AR Fox on it. Kenny can go off and do something a bit more serious. The Bucks can, you know, breathe some life back into that tag division. 
I think everybody wins. And yeah, this was a win from start to finish um, for me. Absolutely love this thing. Yeah, I mean, like normal, I, I love trios matches. Who <laughs> listens to me? I can't, can't get enough of it. I get enough of this shit. Um, I, I would agree with a lot of what you said. Like off, like when we were doing the preview for this, it was like I don't like the belts. I never will like the belts. They'll never mean anything. However. I thought to myself, this could honestly end up being match of the night. On some other shows, it would have been. Um, Like, I went 4.25 because I thought this is good popcorn wrestling. I like the dynamic of House of Black in terms of having Brody King being different as well. Um, The fact, like, as well at the end, the way that they kind of, I love that kind of, right, we're all going to nail our shit in while we stop them getting back into the ring as well. It was, like it's mentioned, it was completely the right result. It's like you're not doing anything with House of Black. They can have these kind of trios matches that, let's face it, you don't need the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega to be doing. They can deliver the same kind of similar spectacular style matches with Top Flight and AR Fox or Mark Briscoe and the Lucha Brothers, and that's fine. Well, it's not fine. The title shouldn't exist, but you get what I mean. Um, <laughs> a tournament you are here for on the weekend, should yeah, you? and I agree with you. It, like, If this was a one-off standalone match, you wouldn't be complaining, would you? No. You wouldn't be at all. I think it's just at the point now is where it's like it has been a waste of Omega and the Bucks. Whatever them having the titles might have been an easy way of bringing them necessarily back into the com- into the company, like easier for them. Just to go come and do the trio stuff. It's the pressure isn't on you necessarily. It's like at some point they do have to remember that they are aren't they all apparently EVPs or they are last time I still checked which means kind of perhaps putting other things to the forefront like what are the best things necessarily for the company wide rather than these are the things that make me happy which has always been something I've hated about them in that way because it's it's quite selfish I don't care if you're having fun to a point you know if you're having fun it'll maybe make I don't give a fuck but it's the last last time I'll list them great I'm paying money for you uh, fun brilliant (laughs) like feels like a fucking con for me no but I mean but as a match I thought it was I thought it was really good and I like you could tell as well at the end like this was a crowd I think ultimately the fans are going to be happier if the belts aren't on Omega Mm. and the Bucks and like I say if we do get something serious with Kenny, something serious with the Bucks, then at that, it's almost like this show does the kind of right course correction of like similar to the Ricky Starks thing. Where it's like, well, I've not liked the direction this has been going in for the few weeks. It's been a waste of time. Now can we put this bit of it to bed? So like Ricky Starks, Chris Jericho, put that feud to bed. Jungle Boy and Christian, put that feud to bed. We can put the Buck, the elite in the trios division just to bed. Because, he, but it was also as well helped by the fact that there wasn't anything else like this on the show. Normally on a revolution card, it would have been like the ladder match, but they had that obviously on dynamite and that really helped as well. So it kind of could able to kind of stand out in its own way. But yeah, I went, I went 4.25 on it. I go close to four and a half. I was somewhere between 4.25 and four and a half. I think I've landed at four and a half, but this is my favorite bit of the show, JP. Cause like it's like Garrett stepped in like to this, um, if you've stepped into the, the radio in your car, uh, Garrett, cause you probably heard us make both of those arguments <laughs> multiple times over the last few weeks. And I'm, <laughs> I'm loving that you can now step in and go, shut up about this trio's division, lads. It's not that bad. <laughs> or you can step in and go, you're absolutely right. hundred percent. I agree. And I'm glad it's over. What's, uh, what's your take on it, Garrett? No, I'm, I'm totally in that camp. I mean, did I say there before about like the, the trio's titles? I'm with JP 100%. Like, they just don't deserve 
to to exist you know never been good never been good in any you know for any long period in in any promotion all it does is just take away from tag divisions and we've seen that with mm -hmm. AW like with their tag, tag divisions because you've got to shoehorn people who would ordinarily be a team into suddenly been a been a three-man team and you know you invariably pull somebody out of a singles mix who should be in there which is exactly what we've done here with Kenny Omega and with um um I mean, Mal Malachi Black as well, like because again, that was one of the highlights for me in this match was the exchanges between mm. Kenny and uh, and Black, and I was like, that just got me like thirsty for them to to just have a one on one pro oh, well, program because I was thinking, well, this, you know, bad. come on, so something. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> no, no, don't, don't worry. I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be waving a uh, wa totally waving a banner for him. <laughs> waving a banner for him any any time soon. But the exchanges them two had in a match here, I was great, like. Yeah. There you go. That's that's something that it clicked. They had perfect chemistry. The pace they both worked at at different, you know, at the different points that they're together in there, they they just looked like they were just made to wrestle each other. And I was just like, yeah, just give, give me um, give me some give me some more of that. And then you know, fingers crossed, that's something that we'll we'll see further down the line. But it's the right choice. Get the belts off uh, those three. Get um, get a bit more focus of them into other areas that they can you know like you say there about the fun side of things you know it's the wrestling business it's about making money it's about putting eyes on your product and you know bums on seats how about these people who are at the core the central stars of the business how about we actually do something meaningful with them and you know like try and drive a bit more value out of them because uh, that's where it needs to be going here from here and okay the three might most have been a nice way. people in the company by the way you were uh, the, 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 even three most valuable sorry the three most senior people in the company <laughs> behind yeah. tony khan and i can't remember her name there's the the, the, the woman who does the, the lawyer yeah yeah here yeah. like like they're literally at the top of this company. Like not not only in star power, not only in the name of the company, mm. as a, as senior people in this company. Like you know, they probably need to act like it too. That that's the thing. We're not criticizing them, saying they're bad. They're just too good for this. <laughs> like as good as this one. Sorry. Yeah, hundred percent. And that's like at the end at the end of the day, if things are going to progress, you can't have these people hidden away. And I understand this idea that people can't be on top all the time yeah. and can't be winning all the time. So, but there should be in something that was a bit more meaningful going into in, into this. I mean, it, obviously, Kenny had that long spell out with injury. It's you know, it's been a supposed to a way of easing him back onto TV. They've had them. You know the good matches with Def Triangle and things like that. That's that's come along the way. Maybe it's just getting a bit of back to fitness, bit of ring rust off you sort of thing, and let's let's go again kind of thing, and like pushing pushing up the card mm. from from here. But it just it feels like that's that's got to uh, that's got to got to happen now. And I just want you referencing briefly there, JP. I just want to shout out Brody King here. Just like what great mm. value he is. He's not somebody who's ever going to be headlining any shows. He's not somebody that you ever want to be like putting the rocket behind or things like that. But just as a big man that you can slot into this role in the mid card that can work with little guys, big guys, to like do it all. What a what a just a valuable commodity he is just just sat there, someone you can slot into tag teams, somebody who he could feasibly be a TNT challenger for a short period of time or something like that. You know, like he came across great as well. I, I've gone mm. four stars on this, so I've gone less than you two. It just felt very, you know, it was that kind of bubblegum popcorn match kind of thing, but. Great placement on the card, you know. Again, just added to the enjoyment from the from the match before it, and yeah, can't uh, can't say anything uh, bad about it necessarily. Totally different. Couple of JP. quick shout out about Brody King. I think he, did he have his son out at the end? 
Or do we have a Mikel Arteta when we scored a 97th minute, minute winner and he's celebrating and there's a fucking child who appears to be in the technical area there with him and you're like, the fuck has happened there? Shouldn't have um, I didn't notice was, at the time. That was bollocks. Like, I mean, they're supposed to be the spooky house of black. Like, that's not, you know what I mean? Like, no. save that for the indie shows. Like, you know, because that was the thing yeah. the lights went out, didn't they? Because they wanted to show them all spooky in the ring with the belts. And they fucking child in there. gone. <laughs> just left yeah <laughs> oh amazing it was like a creepy child doll i might well have got it for you know <laughs> kind of characters that they are but yeah it, it it still comes away with it though like what's the thing that we want to see as a follow-up to this if you said to me we were going to get buddy matthews and Brody king versus young bucks as a tag feud you think okay that's all right and i think that's what we mean about like moving him into the mid card if you had a mega versus malachi black as that kind of upper mid card feud where you can kind of try and see about building them up. That would do more for both of them than any runs with the trios titles ever will. I'm and I will never stop on this until those titles are dead. <laughs> you might get your wish, mate. Uh, no, I'm, I'm hopeful on that. I think, you know, there was a, you know, again, people might be listening to this mm. having either seen Dynamite or you know, a graphics come out and this week it's Kenny versus, you know, Malachi Black or it's Kenny versus, I think Buddy Matthews is probably a match they're going to want to, you know, go, go to as a, as a singles on a, on a Dynamite. As long as it's, because Winnipeg's coming up as well, isn't it? So, you know, we yeah. should be doing something big on that as well. Don't care what it is, get him back. Probably isn't. He's probably booked himself into doing some sort of dressing up as Undertale in the gimmick casino battle royal part 546. Yeah. Plus like, toys comes anywhere with a, <laughs> yeah. a, a gaming convention or something. Yeah. <laughs> Playing golf with Peter Avalon or something like that. You know, it's probably just some like little backstage. It'd be fun though, wouldn't it? Shit. It'd be fun. Should be should be playing golf with the Sandman, as we all know. <laughs> Reference on the P show. Uh, the real Sandman theme music. <laughs> that might be an intro or outro, but going from there, um, yeah, we had that banger of a match into uh, another match I think me and JP were massively looking forward to, Gareth. Uh, Jamie Hayter, Ruby Soho, and uh, Soraya uh, for the women's belt. Um, put some money on her, uh, Soraya. I was gutted when uh, I didn't want her to win, but she was three to one, so you know, thought I could cash in there. Didn't happen. Um, I don't know. I, I said on the daily update when I recapped this one, I don't know if there's much to say about the match. It was fine, it wasn't bad, you know. Uh, it was still probably mm. the worst thing on the pay-per-view which i think is a common occurrence uh, in aw i've said it before people don't like hearing it it's true but jamie hater looked great i will say saraya didn't yeah. massively shit the bed um it was serviceable it was always going to struggle coming you know after the mattress for i thought it was a 3.25 star match but i think most of the eyes are going to be on the daft angle he did afterwards this overarching women's division story they're doing where i don't know i mean uh, I suppose Ruby Soho just decided in the moment she was going to join the heels afterwards, because otherwise that makes no sense. Like, why would she not turn yeah. in the match if she was going to join them? She seemed ready enough to do the uh, the green spray paint thing with her. Um, yeah, I think a lot of discussion here, Gareth, is going to be about the uh, the post match and not just the uh, the match itself. But yeah, what have you thought of this? Uh, this is a feud, and you know, uh, I don't know. Jamie Hayter is the is the shining star in this. Let's just hope she uh, comes out the other end uh, unharmed, and we uh, we get to her in, in Brit at some point. Yeah, I mean, this is one where obviously I've heard your thoughts on it in the weeks running up to it and your love of um, Soraya um, coming into this. Uh, you know, I know this was one that you were clearly looking forward to, uh, Benno. But, That'll be um, the YouTube video. She's fucking shit. I've said it there. You come for <laughs> <laughs> Come for me, night family. No, please don't. I'm scared. Don't. Yeah. <laughs> I love you all. <laughs> but I mean, this this was what I, I couldn't get in. You know, 
I, I couldn't be excited about this match going into it. But actually, I enjoyed it a lot more than I expected to enjoy it. You know, you said 3.25. I've gone 3.25 there. I thought for the time that they were out there, I thought, you know, it was pretty non-stop. It was under a mile an hour, really. And it wasn't like, you know, the three of them were involved like quite mm. a lot in the, in, in the match as well. There wasn't none of this lying about while two people go at it, really. It felt like the, it was it was pretty well well put together um, from that point of view. And again, I, I, I came away at the end of the match thinking like, oh, I fucking enjoyed that. And like the, the standout thing for me was Ruby Soho because she's somebody who I'm not particularly high on at all. But in this match... I thought she looked great. It was the best she's looked in ring for for years. I just I don't know. She, she just seemed to be just like have a bit of like confidence and swagger about herself in, in, in ring. And I was thinking, oh, like here you go. Something's like clicked with her, and she's you know she's going to be a useful addition here to the female division. And I had this thing in my head of just continue as this lone wolf, this person who was just this 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 you know, one-man band kind of thing, whereas you've got this these teams and these groups going on around you. Do you just be this one-man band who can slot in, face either side and things like that? And then, like, when that turn happened at the end, it just soured me completely on this whole thing because I'd been feeling really positive about the match, feeling positive about her, and then I was just like, well, that's you fucked then now, isn't it, kind of thing? Because you're just becoming the third wheel in this operation as opposed to being somebody who's got a unique dynamic about their own character. You're just you're just one C in this in this group. You're not getting near the title. You're not getting like meaningful singles matches or anything like that. Just felt like a bad bit of booking that to 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 me at the end. And and I think where we like look at things and you talk about like people coming out of a scenario better i think she's gonna come out worse than this and then i'm still waiting for jamie Ater, to be honest to come out of this feeling better you know where we talk about in the past about people like i don't know like cm punk being the champ but you're not the champ and things like that you know the old triple h thing this it feels to me like you know haters over with the crowd people love her there's you know there's as many signs for jamie Ater in the crowd as 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 other people she gets like great reactions but you almost feel like the button hasn't been pressed properly on her she's she's always got to have Britt Baker next to her she's she doesn't seem like her own person she's embroiled in this feud there where it feels a bit more about Soraya than it does necessarily about Jamie Ater as well there's this whole like overshadowing like she almost just I'm just scared that she's you know as sometimes happens in in um AW these people get over to a certain point and then they just can't just nudge them that step further yeah. i'm just going to a bit nervous that if this keeps going for another month or two months or something like that gradually that shine's going to just wear off uh, the crowd reaction mm. it's going to die down a bit she needs to fucking rocket behind her now she needed to she need to, they've gone like this a totally different way but she just needed that separation from Britt Baker and that feud to mm. have happened three months ago or something like that. Like I feel like she's getting a bit lost in the in in, in the mix here with everything that's going on around her. She doesn't she doesn't feel like the champion. Like uh, I don't know. She's she's just being the champion while you're not the leader. I know it's not a stable anymore, JP, but it's being the champion while you're not the leader of the stable. That's what it is, isn't it? It's like you know, yeah. It just doesn't feel like when Nakamura be champion at a card is really the leader of chaos. Like it's that, you know, that's what it feels. Yeah. It is, and it's it, it it it's still very like what are the money matches in this division? You're still thinking Brit versus Jamie Hayter, but if there's a blood and guts match, which I expect to happen in this, who's going to be the captain of the originals? Good point, Britt Baker. Yeah, point. It's not going to be Jamie Hayter. That'll be the story, it, though, won't it? Do you not think they'll play into? That? And it, 
it should be uh, as they've done with it, but it still, she doesn't feel like the most, I, I would agree with it. I mean, I thought actually as a match, it benefited from the fact that the crowd had had three relatively hot matches before it. And so they were still kind of pumped in it and that it went at a pace that it didn't allow the crowd to deflate, which I thought was, was, was quite good for them. Um, I, written on my notes on here they're just glad that she won but I have little faith in the storyline particularly at the end of that because it just made a nonsense of the match it's like I've been I've been effectively trying to beat you up for the last 10 to 15 minutes but really I've been with you all this time it's it doesn't you know it, it's not very good and it and this angle only works I was thinking about this it was like why doesn't it work because on paper the idea of how do we boost the women's division where we're going to have these like kind of invaders come in it's like well if you brought in Soraya and Tony Storm and Ruby Soho as like the the women's NWO, then yeah, you could have something with it because then yeah, that's what you're going for is that they're coming in as an invading force. But it's almost like if WCW brought in like Kevin Nash and Scott Hall as separate baby faces hmm. and then decided to team them up together and then said they were going to take over WCW, you'd be like, oh, hang on a minute. You lads have already been here for like sort of <laughs> three, TNA four months. Didn't really make... <laughs> that's yeah, exactly what that's TNA. very TNA. <laughs> Got the band back together, said, <laughs> But really what it is, and this is kind of more the damning indictments, is every one of those heels has been brought in as baby faces and they've had to turn them heel really in, in quite, you know, through either kind of quite poor means. Well, all of them are quite poor, aren't they? The Tony Storm heel turn just happened. Soraya was turned heel by the crowd because she's shit and I don't like her. <laughs> yeah. Tony Storm basically said that. He was like, yeah, fans yeah. weren't enjoying, weren't enjoying a promo. They weren't. Because <laughs> they were shit. And, yeah. And that's the problem with this is where, where, where are we getting to? Are we getting to Ruby Soho versus Jamie Hayter? I don't think that's going to necessarily do too much. I just think... Yeah, I've no faith in this storyline or where it's going to be going. And I agree, like, if they went in some other mad, entirely different direction, which was Jamie Hayter versus Jade Cargill, I'd be much more all over that than I would this stuff. I'm not even saying the match would be great. She doesn't exist in the yeah. same world as these lot. She's, she's on planet Jade. You know, she's she's, yeah. she's got her own code first now. <laughs> you know, she doesn't she's part of this. Maybe they'll make it. Maybe she'll be the third man, you know, to use the WCW analogy, the third woman. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, but where I'm biggest with you as well as like you know you say there, JP, about like the the you know the the heel turns of like of these women, like Ruby Soho, you know what like Gareth, not high on her, not that bothered she's turned, but still felt like a like an odd fit. Poor Tony Storm, like she tried to cut a heel promo on the pre-show here. It was one of the worst. If I I never want to see Tony Storm try and for- give me a forced heel promo ever again there's nothing faking in wrestling than that clearly very nice nice person trying to be a baddie you know doing what a baddie does on telly she's horrendous at it and it's all in the name of justifying bringing in Soraya the entire division has been bombed you know the the big feud, um, like Gareth's talking about and now these bit part players have been put in the wrong spot all for the sake of Soraya. Um, and yeah, you know what? Now that I've said that, I probably wished into existence. Jay Cargill will be next. Uh, that's, that's, what's, that's where we're going on this. Yeah. Chris says it in the chat there. It's just like, they could just cut their losses and go, This is, she doesn't work. She's not set out for wrestling in a non-WWE company in 2023. Simple as that. I think it really is almost that simple. So you get rid. It's not working, get rid. And I don't know if any of the ex-WWE women are necessarily the way to go. I, I, there's that part of me thinks now we've seen them try and do it. Like, unless they're bringing in one of the big four horsemen, I suppose it's 
when they can get, if they can ever get Mercedes Monet to come in. At this point, they're they're just better off trying to kind of build up. I know it makes it a bit boring using the likes of a Hikaru Shida versus Jamie Hayter to have some like good matches on TV. Why not just start from those simple building blocks of who are the dependable people in the division that we can go to to have some good matches to get the credibility? Because I don't, I think that's one of the things, Beno. No one likes to talk about it. Quite routinely, what is the lowest ranking match of the night? It's the women's division. Why is that? Because there's lots of quite weak workers in there. And yeah, it was always going to be a building block process. But when they got to the point with Serena Deep and Hikaru Shida and you had Jamie Hayden, and you went, actually, there's the building blocks of something quite nice here. And it's like, nah, let's chuck some shit in. Like, and here comes Soraya and you're like, oh, Christ, here we go. Proper fucking divas behaviour all over the place. I've no interest in that. So if uh, Ricky, Roy Senior, uh, Ricky Junior, all of them want to send the hate mail, send this to JP, um, not me, um, <laughs> when I put this video on YouTube. But I agree with everything you, uh, you said, JP. Uh, JP yeah, is short, of course, for Garrett Gonzalez. Send it to my family. Always like Norwich. Uh, great stadium. Um, great wrestling promotion. Big fan of the uh, pedestrianised centre of the city centre. I'm a big fan well. of the uh, the Premier Inn. It's the corner of their stadium where you can see in um, and watch the, uh, watch the game from your room. Great little, uh, great little thing. That you uh, sure, that's the best thing in Orange, absolutely. Uh, moving on <laughs> to the next match. And, uh, we're back to the bangers here, lads. Uh, John Moxley and Hangman Adam Page in a Texas death match. And if you want to talk feuds done right in AEW, I think this is a... Uh, this is a template for you. You know, you talked about it on the weekend show, JP, of, you know, going back to, and I mentioned it, going back to that, you know, that, that Jerry Jarrett uh, slogan, what is it, personal issues, draw money. Um, this felt like a real personal issue. It felt like a feud that escalated and escalated. It felt like a logical feud as much as the daft grief it got at the start. Oh, why is that man, you know, mad about getting knocked out by, by John Moxley? All of that stuff feels a long time ago now because they use that to spare this, you know, this on into it being a real grudge, blood feud. The violence escalated in every match that they have. I felt like the quality of match escalated every time they got back in there and then they got back in there here for a fourth time in a Texas death match. I just thought they blew the roof off here. Um, this was... I'm hoping you guys are going to agree. You know, there are plenty of bad, bad quote unquote death matches there. This wasn't a full, you know, death match with glasses, panes of glass, and and daftness like this. But there were there were definitely elements of it in there that Moxley loves to go along with the Texas uh, death match stipulation. But I thought all of the violence made sense. The escalation of the violence made sense. The finish made sense. Like if you were going to hang man over, this was the this was absolutely the way to put him over. Similar to the Christian Jungle Boy thing, it felt massively important for for Hangman to get this big win that he can now push on with. I imagine to a few with MJF uh, out of this. I'd hope anyway. Um, let's get going. You know, let's uh, none of this anxious cowboy stuff anymore. Can we just fucking get going with Hangman Page? Yeah. Can he be the guy? Let's fucking find out. Let's go with it. Uh, more so than they did when he was the uh, the champion, but. That aside, I thought this was an absolute killer match. Loads of memorable spots in it. Like I say, a memorable finish in there and just, yeah, glorious, glorious violence. I absolutely love this thing. Gareth, what say you? Oh, exactly the same. You know, like, you know, I've 
obviously got the reputation for not being a lover of death matches, yep. particularly. No, what I don't have a rep- what I don't have a love of is death matches where there's just gratuitous shit just happened for absolutely no reason whatsoever. You know, <laughs> yeah. where somebody's just pulling out a weapon and one second in somebody's like you know taking taking a chainsaw to somebody's ear for what reasons? Why? Because we both booked in a match together tonight, kind of thing. You know, like <laughs> this is the alternative. This is like this. This is where there was a strong build. Oh, no. There was that level of personal rivalry built in. There was that like heatedness that was that was built in this was just a you know a heated brawl sorry i've got a dishwasher bit <laughs> it sounds like the kids are um, deaf actually, <laughs> um, <laughs> hide the fork sarah <laughs> <laughs> um you know this is just a heated brawl this is like a heated brawl where they just happened to be weapons were legal that you could use as well this wasn't a match where it's like the weapons are something that's the first point of it and then let's try and have a match around it there was a reason and meaning behind absolutely everything that they used in this match and like brought to the table and i think you know one of these things was you could have taken for this you could have taken the weapons out of it completely and it would still have been like great just that level of just hatred and you know rivalry and things like that that they that they had uh, going with them but as it happens the weapons that they did have and use there was that level of you know innovation and something that was a bit different and things like that that you know came into it there like you know there's just things great spots in this just like the single leg crab by mox where Pangman page is like belly first on the barbed wire chair and that just a great visual you know it's just something that was really really good obviously when he brought the bricks in the chain and like he put his hand in between the bricks and then just the stomp between there yeah, and then later that. where Hang- hangman's reaching out to try and get the chair and then mox stamps on the hand that he's just stamped just stamped on between the bricks just perfect just like real kind of you know of logical you know logic in a death match kind of thing of stuff that you would do because of the pain that you've inflicted there you know and previously you know looked looked absolutely great you know and then I, I just think even things like the wrestling side that came into it i think when mox first got the fork and then hangman sort of like avoided it and then so what did he do he applied a triangle choke so he could then just stab him in the head while his head was like in between his legs brilliant that amalgamation between like actual wrestling ability and then you know the violence that comes with it with the fork i just i i i I absolutely loved this match like i went 4.75 stars on it you know i was like it it was it was a high 4.75 for me as well because i just had a huge smile on my face all the time I, i was watching it and then the big thing that just like punctuated it for me was just that finish just the you know the bookshot and then him over the ropes and then hanging hangman hanging him over the ropes with the chain kind of thing brilliant as you know as mox john moxley taps kind of thing like what a way to put him over. perfect perfect like mm. this this literally like as I'm talking, I'm thinking I should have gone five on this because what could they possibly have done here that would have been any better than it was? You know, it's a match that I know I won't forget. I'll watch again. Like, just brilliant, 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 brilliant. Music's fine. Yeah, I, yeah, I'd go, and I've gone for the same rank. I've gone for four point seven five as well. I'm the low man. Um, I've seen it. Fucking hell. I, I've seen this, <laughs> and I've seen this twice. Um, and I think the only reason I haven't gone five, I suppose, and it's it, it's partly because it's the nature of matches where you have this amount of kind of outside stuff, is it can become a series of moments. It's almost like they had the heated brawl on the outside. I just love the way it started. Yeah. Moxley was coming through the barricade and he just fucking went in and lamped him. And yeah. they had that big brawl. And it just set the tone perfectly. And it never 
dips for a second and it's the escalation. And I use my girlfriend as the test of, is this stuff working? And she's watching, she's kind of like looking at her phone while I'm watching it. And, and the stuff I kind of visibly wince from, even though I know it could be gimmicked, is the barbed wire being dragged across someone's forehead or the fork seat, uh, the fork onto, onto hangman page, which, you know, it does answer the question of how many men can a hangman hang? And it's one very much uh, of where we get from this one. Um, but I don't know what I was meaning with that. It's like <laughs> that old phrase, <laughs> that old phrase, but the, famous. but when he came out, the, um, like just having the, the different music as well, Oh, uh, yeah. is it, was it um, was it Riders in the uh, Riders in the Sky? Oh, the John Cash version as well. We were using that. You've nailed that now, Jay. Absolutely. Yes. You know what though? I didn't Would love you... it on the entrance. Mm. Fucking loved it on the exit. You know when mm. the, the, the the violence had stopped and it was just a bloody scene and Hangman was the man left standing and that started Ooh. playing. Oh, that was perfect. But, I felt like a spaghetti western, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> like when it came out. I felt like I was watching like High Plains Drifter when he's painted the town red as it was all red or something oh, like that. Like it was just it's uh, when you get awesome. Eastwood and Van Cleef back in the day, a couple of proper main events. Van Cleef, you know, that's a dated reference for a lot of people. Well, go and watch Escape from New York. But Time. I thought there was there was a nice escalation in the kind of spots that 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 happened there on there when we you know we go from the barbed wire to the fork on there to the chair spot that I was quite grateful that John Moxley's powerbomb didn't hit the very top of those chairs. I fucking hate that spot because it, it makes me feel like I need spinal surgery and I'm sat <laughs> on my sofa watching it. Um, the moonsault that he did, the SOE moonsault with barbed wire wrapped around him to the outside as well on that, there, the hand in the that, brick spot. That was the bit that took, that was the 0.25 off me, wrapping yourself in barbed wire to moonsault onto somebody else. No. Have you never done that in a fight? <laughs> illogical you're not good you're, you're gonna get hurt more like it's, uh, you can it's imagine if you get page doing that can't you on a gcw show guy i can tell that he's got you in, like. and there is the thing with this where what a texas death rules because obviously he tapped out here but there was also last man standing stuff happening as well but in the moment did i give a shit about that stuff no, no. that's nitpicking it, what it really felt like is a proper semi-main put in the middle of the car that was given the requisite amount of time had the requisite amount of build, feels like, okay, the winner of this has become the new number one contender. I hope Moxley goes to have his holiday. Dare I say it as well, given the changes in the Blackpool Combat Club, is there a heel direction for Moxley? I know that seems crazy, and can you really turn him heel in in AEW necessarily? But I think there's there's just things about the direction of the Blackpool Combat Club where I wonder, is that going to be the kind of focus? Are we going to get back to the kind of proper Moxley Danielson feud that we never got because fucking Poochie turned up before he went off to, to his mate. Um, <laughs> unforgettable like year this... Poochie had, mate. Uh, on... Oh, yeah. Unforgettable year. He's so great. Yeah, that match on Velocity, I've seen it. Three okay. fucking stars. If you're comparing it to this, you're on fucking crack. You really are. Um, so, But I went 4.75 yeah, for this. I I loved this. I, I I really did. And it felt like a big proper match. And at this point I was like, I was like, well, this is going to be match of the night, isn't it? There's nothing else that's going to kind of surpass this. Well, well, Spoiler we'll there, there for you. No, I'm, I'm with you both. I loved it. I went four and a half, which surprised me that I'm, that I'm lower than you guys. I might, when I might edit this and say I went five. Um, but yeah, and it, <laughs> it felt like, to add, you've just said everything there, but to add on, it, it just felt like a match where two people hated each other and wanted to hate each other. Mm. And that's what 
a good death matches, you know, like I'll always say there's good death matches and there's and there's bad death matches and you know, people might not expect me to say this either, but I'll also you know there were people who didn't like this, who thought it was too much. I'll I'll defend those people. Like I always will with death matches. Mm. By design, they're supposed to shock you. They're supposed to like be this was like the maybe a level of violence right at the, the tippy top of what you want to do in a mainstream wrestling promotion. But it was a lot of fucking violence. And there's a reason they're called death matches because they are trying to push that envelope and push it. And it might have been too much for some people. Um, some of those people might have said really stupid things like nobody knows who Abdullah the Butcher is. But anywho, we'll move on. We'll, we'll leave that where it is. But, you know, I can understand it maybe not being people's cup of tea. But I'll just say that as a positive, I made up it was both of your cup of tea for this one. And it just shows that you can, you know, it's not so much the style like Gareth said it's the the execution of the style and if it's you know for it to be good like anything um, in wrestling or in storytelling it has to have meaning and it has to you know be executed well by two professionals and that's what this was from from start to finish and there's lots of different dynamics between them you can go back to either one of them as a proper heel because at this point they're face face so there's other different ways of doing this there are kind of stable stuff that you could work into the equation if you're ever going to go that way but tying these guys together. I mean, I think what this really did is, you know, we talk about Hangman Page and where he's been at a certain point. This heated him back up. 100%. This was the perfect thing to kind of heat him back up and it's worked. And it is, again, putting him in there with proper wrestlers. Because imagine if we'd had him fucking around with the elite. <laughs> Let's just say that. What would they be doing? He'd be playing basketball. <laughs> and, 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 and as you say there about that heating him back up, I'm more interested in Hangman Page and mm-hmm. looks more credible Hangman Page as a result of this feud than his entire title run made him. So it just shows that you know it's not necessarily about the the belt either and just putting somebody on top and saying they are world champion. You've got to present them in a certain way to get them to that next level. And I feel like he's definitely stepped up to, to that next level. And I think another element of this match as well was... Yes, there was that hatred between them, but I think there was almost, I think something that cut through as well was that competitive edge of them, not necessarily, like, it wasn't just that they hated each other and wanted to kill each other, it was they that they wanted to prove that they were the better man because of what had happened before, and I think, you know, there's been where, there's been, I don't know if it was on Dynamite or Rampage recently, there was the interview, there's the interview like Hangman did with Rene and it was almost that like kind of like competitive respect element and things that come through there. So there is an underlying different nuance or direction to this story that this potentially could go if things do come back to these two and their relationship in the future and and, and, and things like that there. But this um, yeah. this just just delivered it deli- delivered it all. And again, hang like Hangman's a guy now who you you, you just think like. Is is raised is 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 despite him having been the world champion, he's upper echelon more so now. Mm-hmm. More than he's felt in a very long time. Um, and yeah, let's hope they push on with him. Maybe I've, my theory is he's going. This was to set him up for a, a world title challenge at the very least. Um, I hope it's something like that coming out of it. Because uh, yeah, would you do that at the pay per view though? Double or nothing. Rather than go into a kind of TV like special main event, I'd be I think so. Yeah, almost. I don't want to, fu- to wait for the pay per view. Yeah, my only worry is that if you do that, he'll be fucking around with the Dark Order for the next three or four weeks until they get to that. I just want to go. I want him to go hot into another big program, you know, from here. Um, but we'll see. there might be more with these two. You know, I've heard it theorized. You know, like Gareth said there, that mutual respect. You know, 
proven who's the you know who's the better man overall kind of might lead to a team of some sort maybe that'll you know give them something to do for a little while i don't know i'm interested in where they where they go after this but put them in there with preston vance and the lfi (laughs) (laughs) or the klf whatever the fuck they're called these days (laughs) wasn't lfi steal my sunshine wasn't that their song Um, um, (laughs) but uh from there roosh burning a million dollars in a field like the klf (laughs) did back in the day as well (laughs) it all fits it all fits um but yeah from there again glad we uh glad we all love that absolute highlight of the show it'll be on a lot of ballots at the uh, the end of the year for a match of the year it'll be up there for for feud of the year as well like uh gareth just uh so accurately said all of those uh layers you uh you have to this as well but unfortunately someone had to follow it <laughs> which was uh <laughs> my only slight on the placement of this card um i suppose it wasn't a big sacrifice uh joe and wardlow um coming after uh after this one something had to follow it um i argued on the daily update maybe i would have just because of how you know lighthearted the tag match was i think that could have survived being here again i've heard it theorized or maybe they could have thrown a little you know five minute adam cole promo segment that sets up as challenger for dynamite i don't know on a stack show don't know whether you could fill that in it was a poison chalice no matter what you put here and john warlow went out there and had you know a Samoa Joe match in in 2023 that doesn't involve Darby Allen, um, which is to say it wasn't bad, um, but it was, you know, uh, it was the definition of a professional wrestler match, and I've got a lot to say about Warlow on the on this one. I think uh, we're kind of saving this from when I uh, when I did the daily update, but yeah, I didn't really think much of him um, in this match. I'm trying hard not to draw broad through conclusions from, like to say, a match that was slotted really you know badly for the for the match itself but became a sacrifice on the night he beat Samoa Joe he's TNT champion now and I think they're gonna they're either gonna try and recapture this lightning in a bottle they had with him with a with NJF last year or he's just gonna immediately drop it to Hobbs um, which might also be a possibility but yeah I don't know um is my uh wavering support on Wardlow justified here, here Gareth what have you thought of him since he's uh, since he's come back in um, I know what I think of that fucking haircut and his weird singlet now that his entire arse was falling out of uh, <laughs> um, mm. yeah I don't know we were very high on Wardlow once upon a time oh we're a million miles away aren't we from when you know when they broke up with MJF and like you know we talked about you know I remember being on it and saying like it could be like push now to be like a new Goldberg, this like fresh face, big guy who's like can, you know, go to be the forefront of the company. They definitely kind of shit the bed on the follow up to to the the MGF split and the way that he was presented after this point. But when he came out for this match there and like is like basically like a King Kong Bundy style singlet now instead uh, of a like the one with the with with this almost like cycling shorts bit that looked terrible. Like then mm-hmm. you're like looking at it closer and it's like leather and velvet and sparkly bits. It, it, it just looked like some like it's, it's like I don't know like the the hair changed as well. Like it, it, it like I was thinking what does he look like and it was just like it looked to me like some stripper from like Runcorn or something like oh, that. Mate. You know what I mean? Just some like small town, just some small town, like fucking like oh, no. someone like old women will be fucking going crackers at, you know, for, like for some girly night out or something. He just looked terrible. Like, oh, mate, he's a jacked estate agent from East London who looks like he's going to be eliminated early on in The Apprentice. That's oh. what he looks like. He's fundamentally a nice bloke, but doesn't treat women too well. Like, that's what he, that's what he looks like to me. Looks oh, awful. But he just looks low rent though. Yeah. Like like that that looks something about him. Like I don't know. Like he just 
he looked smaller or his legs looked skinnier because he didn't mm. have the long thing. Like, whatever star quality Wardlow appeared to have at that time of that split, now he just looks like any other guy. He's gone from, to me, has been like, this guy could be the next Goldberg to this guy like Paul Roma or something like that, to like completely gone the other the other way for me. It just feels like mm. he's got nothing about him. The look has gone like it, like... Some whatever star aura he has just seems to have just been stripped away from him completely. And I, maybe I'm just maybe we were just wrong. As I was watching this match, I was just thinking say. maybe we were just taken away with the strength of the storyline and everything like that. And then his his part and he was he was hidden well on TV. He didn't do a lot. Like he he had that Cody match in the cage, didn't he? He had small spots in like the Punk feud and things that that he was brought in. Maybe he is just a guy. Maybe he's just a big guy who was put in the right scenarios and um, and we were totally wrong. And I, I believe that now. That's what I logged on to say today. You've took the words out of my mouth. I Sorry. <laughs> no, you no, 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 it's fine. Cause like I honestly was having thoughts of like because I remember at the time we were talking about it, and there was definitely a creeping it's very easy to say this with retrospect. There was a creeping part of my head going is this really true though or is he just really good at playing this part and we're all getting swept up in it and i didn't have the bollocks to say it so i can't claim a victory up now i i, I kind of held back i was like no 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 i'm wrong i'm wrong i'm wrong i, th- I think that that creeping doubt might have been right again can't judge him on a match that i had to follow what i had to follow but i do think as a as an into an overall conversation about him i think he was just very good at playing that character very good at playing that batista behind triple h pulling faces Virgil. waiting for the fucking hell <laughs> I'll, I'll go batista you know but, but, you know pulling those faces we all wanted the turn it was a perfectly told story apart from the end when mjf completely distracted us all in vegas and uh and kind of ruined it a bit but like all of that it was mjf smoking mirrors wardlow was great for that role he was a uh, to put it in like a Film context, JP was an you know he was a great actor for the role of that for that story. Mm. But do I want to see a film about that character? I'm now starting <laughs> to think maybe I don't. And I, I I don't know. People are probably going to kill us for this one and say we're you know we're writing Wardlow off entirely based off one match here. But there's just something. I think there's there's some truth in that. And I just think maybe there was a scenario where you, you could have Jay Cargill him. You could have completely protected them. And, you know, he could have won matches in five minutes, pay-per-view on pay-per-view on pay-per-view. But I'd argue with, with Jay Cargill, they've done that with her. And we, even with her, I'm starting to think, well, now what? Now what? <laughs> like, at some point, she's going to have to have, like, an interesting feud or match. And they haven't pulled the trigger on that yet because mm, we'll see whether she can get to that point. With Wardlow, I feel like that's ten times stronger. I, I just kind of think, yeah, we got the gr- the great story was told. The great story ended. And now what? Now do I want to see Wardlow in a star and role? I'm not sure I do anymore. Um, yeah, I don't know. Too harsh, JP? I, I suppose I'll be slightly different in the sense that I didn't think the match was that bad. I went three stars on it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I don't think it's a bad match. I think there's some like there's stuff that Wardlow can do that even for a big guy is impressive. However, it's all the things that you said. It's like, well, what does this all all mean and it's ever since the mjf stuff overshadowed what was really going to be his big moment at that point it's never quite caught there's an injury in there as soon as he puts smart mark sterling into a feud it's like this is death like that's normally the first kind of 
fucking killer sign, isn't it? That something bad's happening. Is when then, then the factory will be involved next. So, I, and I don't think he'll have the top for long. I think he's losing to Hobbs, as he should do. And Hobbs might be the other guy. They go, well, let's find out if he's just a guy or if we're going to do something with it. And I think that would be a, that's a good match to kind of go to on there. But I looked like at this and I thought there's, there's so much of this build that is the hair stuff and the stuff about his dad. It's quite lazy. doesn't feel real. doesn't feel organic. It's just, but he had a ponytail cut off and you just want to go, yeah, cause it's 2023. And he needed <laughs> fucking reminding of that probably at some stage. And what's funny about yeah, it, you say it, it didn't feel real. It probably was real. But it doesn't matter because he didn't feel it. You know nah, what I mean? It probably didn't was. feel real on the. Dad. Yeah, and and his his TNT title run first time round was was very much like a damp squib because he, he could have said he could have killed people or, or necessarily on this. I thought, is there going to be a point where they turn him heel again? Which is kind of an admission that they've done a bad job if they ended up doing that. I could even see, dare I say, it, a situation where he ends up teaming with MJF again. And there's stuff you can play on the kind of feud bit of it, but I actually wouldn't be that surprised if I saw him going down that route. I'm not saying that's a good thing to do because it's also an admission that you have ballsed up with him entirely. And it was MJF who kind of made the character more interesting, like kind of as a result. But I really struggle because I don't want to see a Wardlow long, Wardlow TNT title run. I have no interest in that. Remember when like, Darby were both feuding with Joe at the same time? What did people want to see? They wanted to see Darby and Joe. They didn't want... Wardlow felt like the odd yeah. out when they, around that time. It was good that he fucked off telly for a month and a half. Like, yeah. and, and you saying here, Benno, about like people potentially like saying, oh, you're just judging it off one match. It's not judged off one match, is it? It's judged off months. And like This is months. It, it, it's it's a year. It's, you know, it's... it's when. Yeah, he hasn't had he hasn't had it. That it factor is, it's not been there. It's not been there post the MJF relationship. And do you it's, want it's, to see him, Garrett? Like to that point, do you want to see him feud with MJF like now? Because I've heard people posit that that, that no. might be coming. That'll be something you can do with MJF. <sighs> I don't want to see that. I can't tell you can, that, you can capture that lightning that, in the bottle again. It's not money, that is it? Like where's that? That's that's not drawing big ratings right now. If Wardlow's doesn't you know? I, it doesn't feel I like can see the them top, doing it. it, it I don't think they should. It doesn't feel like he's in the top 10, 15 wrestlers probably in AW for me, like right now anymore. Like, and, and certainly where you look at like the hottest prospects for 12 months down the line, again, he doesn't feel like he's, he's even in that mix in that conversation anymore. It just feels like he's, he's just a guy on the roster. Like just the idea of him go MJF, it's just someone for MJF to beat to sort of like, Put a, punctuate that feud, isn't it? At the end of yeah. it, it's just finished. It's there you go, that's done. MJF wins, get back to the mid card at Wardlow. So heat him up for that, but I don't think it's gonna do business. A few weeks on TV, maybe. Yeah, it's funny this one because people again, people will kill us. I don't think we all agree. I think you guys are maybe more on the book and I'm more on it. He hasn't got it, or maybe JP is more on the book and I'm more he hasn't got it. I think maybe you're, you're straddling both lines, Gareth. But <laughs> There's, some, there's something wrong I think we all agree with. Like, I think anyone mm. watching this would agree with it, even if they don't, you know, think we're being harsh on the man himself. The booking is all wrong, you know, as you both laid out there. Um, yeah, just, yeah, <laughs> it's not good. Um, you'll be, you'll be back there. stripping in run corn in no time, won't you? <laughs> <laughs> Strong podcast title potential as, uh, as Doc says in the, uh, in the chat, yeah. Although I still like how many uh, how many men can a hangman hang? Was that what it was? How many cups of tea can a yeah. hangman drink? As, uh, it's just awful. Yeah. <laughs> that could be it. Uh, well, yeah, again, but I will say, as a match, it, you know, mm. as far as analysing it as a match, it was, you know, 
it was an uphill battle either way. So, you know, uh, my criticism is less that. But yeah, I, I might have put this on second. Like that, that that feels like it might have been the perfect spot for this match for me after uh, after Jericho. Um, maybe the pay-per-view wouldn't have had the hot start it had if it was there, but this match might have been a little bit more protected there. Um, I thought this was the perfect place for this match, to be honest, because oh, right. it was what it was. And it <laughs> <Yeah>. was just, <laughs> it, it just, it, it it was it was it was a it was a dynamite match that was just there. Should that have was, been on rampage. It was perfectly adequate three star match. Like it was never going to go any higher than that. It was never needed to be any more than that. You know, when I talk about there about things being on the show of significant value and stuff on there that's just on the show because it's a match and it's two guys and there's a bit of something there, but it doesn't need to be the best thing under the sun. To me, that just fit place fit perfectly there. Mm. It was just two familiar guys. Someone's got to follow that. Like. You know, this was never going to be four stars or anything like that. Did what it needed to do. Fine, move on. Like it just for, for me, that's that that's what it was. It what it was what it was. A adequate match with a reasoning for it to be on the pay per view without a need for it to be one of the top top matches on the pay per view. That point I felt like the match following it had very much that flavor as well. <laughs> Uh, like I said earlier, very critical of this uh, this four way tag, um, especially the way it en- it ended up uh, with the parties involved. I'll reiterate what I said on the weekend show. No way, this was the original plan. Hundred percent, Tony Khan had two different teams written on his napkin, um, and whatever happened happened. At the end, I-, I wish someone had asked them that at the scrum. Like, was this the original plan? There's no way it was. Um, Orange Cassidy and Dan Housen were so thrown together as far as uh, teams go, considering Orange Cassidy, you know, worked twice on Dynamite, but. That aside, you know, going in didn't feel like a prestigious tag match, but when you say Gareth about Everton having a place on a card, this was some light relief in the end, you know? Like, in yeah. hindsight, as much as I kind of criticised it and wanted a more prestigious tag match for it, might have gone with the singles match, might have gone with a four-way that involved FTR, who turned up at the end of this, or Aussie Open, or, you know, a more you know serious team than Orange Cassidy and Dan Housen. Because everyone in it played that played their role well. Jared... Triple J continue against the odds to be a very, very solid team in the in this division. Although they were very entertaining in this, maybe the the, the four way protected the guns. You know, there's an argument they should be fucking champions if they need protecting. Um, if anything, I made this argument. I don't know if you, this will be sacrilege to YouTube, but if there was an a, a t- an AW TV tag team title, they could be those champions rather than the proper champions. Feels like a better role for them at this point in their in their career. Um. They, they, they are what they are, but I thought they were fine, you know, as, as far as being hidden away in a, in a four-way match. They were entertaining enough. Thought the people on the outside getting involved, you know, uh, added a little bit to this match, the uh, the little comedy spots with, uh, with Satnam Singh uh, getting involved and Billy Gunn hitting mm-hmm. one of the, uh, the, the greatest fame matches of all time in this one on uh, on Satnam. Um, Orange Cassidy and Dan Housen were good, good light relief. All in all, that's what it was. It was fun. You know, wouldn't go higher than three or 3.25 stars on it, but it was... What was needed, I think, at this point, a bit of levity before the uh, the main event. Yeah. What say you two? Three, three stars. It's the comedy match that we kind of needed. And we men- mentioned it earlier on about the trios match um, earlier on, that that was there to provide the kind of flippy-do stuff. Um, that's what this was. It was. It was comedy. It was easy enough to watch. It wasn't substantial. I'm fine with the guns being champion because I don't think they've ever really... Ever, they've always been set up like they fluked their way in. We know it. Like they have fluked their way in, like much like a team playing fucking caveman football flukes its way through to a final. Looking at you, Greece, Euro 2004. Um, they fluke their way to like a title win. And I think that's what the guns effectively did. Now, if FTR 
when they had the title match, basically destroy them as they should do because they're much, much better as a team, then I think that's that's absolutely fine. But for this, it was designed to be a nice comedy break. Um, like the well, that's that's what they decided that they were going to do with this match. FTR come back. I'm assuming they've signed a new contract. That that is seems to if be the suggestion. Feels like it just as if it was ever expired. Yeah, because they had to have a break because they were feeling sad because something to do with Brett Hart probably. I don't know. <laughs> um, like, so what you want, JP? You it's... want all your baby faces saying how oh, shit the company is? Like them and Eddie Kingston, fucking hell. Like, <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> I don't get time for the Eddie Kingston chapel, fucking hell. Um, no. but, uh, <laughs> what did you think of it, Gareth? Again, I thought this was perfect for what it was and what it yeah. needed to be. To be to, to be honest, it was it was just that you know it was that you know average middling match on the show that it that it needed to be. To be honest, I think I've got no complaints with the booking of this. You know, I don't think the acclaimed need to have the belts. They're an mm. act that doesn't need to be the champions. That you know they're they're going to be over coming out doing the rap doing the spots and things like that whether they've got belts around the waist or not they're somebody who you can put another tag team in there with to have an interesting match that doesn't have to be about the titles it can be about you know like a, a mishmash of their overness and what they bring to the table i think like you know in this match Danhausen took the fall, so the you know acclaimed can lose and they lose nothing. Jarrett and Lethal lost and they lost nothing, kind of thing. I think the guns are just these obnoxious heels that people are waiting to lose the belt. So when they lose, it's going to get a massive pop because people just fucking hate them, hate the position that they're in. They're almost yeah. to me, they're almost like the perfect kind of heel champion that you could have for this 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 type of role and and I think this was just another good demonstration of the discipline of Tony Khan because I reckon two years ago Tony Khan would have had FTR in there as a surprise fourth entrance to the match and they'd have came in and probably won the belts or something like that whereas the uh, like you know they didn't blow the load, did they? Kind of thing. Like it's you, you get FTR after the match. So what have you got now? You can set up to the FTR gun stuff. Like later down the line, it's a bit more kind of keeping your powder dry, a bit like longer, longer term thinking for that, rather than just you know spunking something on the night just for a bit of a quick spot, really. So, oh, like I just thought this was a perfect bit of business for what it needed to to be, probably for all parties concerned, because. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, I think Lethal and Jarrett came across well, and I yeah, just want to give fan. props. I, I tell you what, I am a fan of Sanjay Dutt. I think he's fucking been absolutely great in this role. Oh, honestly, I think. Yeah, I, I, honestly, I think he's been. Is one of these guys who like, where you talk about in one way about like Christian, like knowing knowing the role and knowing the industry and things like that. I think Sanjay Dutt's someone who. Is if he's got a minute on TV, he makes sure he maximizes that minute on TV, like here in the entrance and things like that. I think when you compare him to somebody like a Stokely Affaway or a you know Smart Mark Sterling or you know whoever, he's like leagues and leagues above them in the role that he's playing there as like a, a heel manager. I've, I've really really enjoyed Sanjay Dutt in the uh, in the last couple of months. I think he really adds something to the act. He's a bit too low rent for me. I'm, I haven't turned the corner on him. He, he's what he's, he's my Stokely Hathaway. 
even though I actually agree with you on Stoke Hathaway now, and it's like his act that's <laughs> purely designed to pop the fifty people who uh, who he's trying to pop on Twitter. Um, but yeah. <laughs> I don't know, you a fan of it, JP? I, I love I love Jay and Jay, Jay and Jeff. I, don't get me wrong, I, and I've never thought I've I'd say that. Um, grown to enjoy the whole act, and that yeah. includes Satnam Singh and 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 Sanjay Dutt. Kind of, it, I should have hated him more than what I have done in many ways, but. It's it's the thing where you think, okay, he's the kind of manager who can do the chicken shit stuff on the ringside, who can take the bump when inevitably he has to take the bump, is willing to make himself look kind of silly. I don't know. I, I suppose between him and Satnam Singh, you've got this absolute giant and he's a very small bloke. So it kind of works hand in hand when they're, they're doing stuff. I think I'm probably more on the, I don't think he's like the top line. Like, I, I don't think, he, you know, but at the same time, I think he's done like everything in Triple J. Really, it's over delivered for what it has so done. Parts, it? Jarrett's had how many pay per view matches in a row? They've all been good. He's not done anything wrong, has he? <laughs> Mate, he fucking hasn't. <laughs> Let's enjoy it while it lasts. Um, I know. <laughs> I want to see him. What the hell is going on? <laughs> him and Stinger. And we're doing this in a non ironic, we love Jeff type way. Yeah, we'll we get back to control when he came in, we, didn't we, we took those, yeah. those ironic. Control F Jeff hats off, and we're like, people are expecting us to be like, "Oh, Jeff's in." We're like, oh. "No, we'll be grown ups about it." It's clearly a bad idea. It hasn't been. It hasn't been. It's as been soon good. as I hear those opening chords yeah. of my world, like a smile still comes up on my face. <laughs> I'll, I'll just rewind very quickly because we should get to the main event. But the one thing I'll say on the guns, where maybe I, I disagree, is that like I just don't want to see them wrestle ever like because i just don't think the i just don't think they're good enough i think they're trainee level um i think the ftr to get into that conversation will get so i think i trust ftr to get something out of them on a one-time match basis mm-hmm. i just don't know if that's enough for the guns to be champions of the whole division if anything it tells me where this division is at this point um maybe in a couple of years i'll be more into it i just just don't trust them to, to, to wrestle, basically, is a is my take on them. But I do trust FTR to, to carry them, so at least we've at least we've got that. And yeah, FTR are back, and that's a positive. That's a positive. I don't I don't buy that the contract was even up. I think they're gonna be around you know, for for a while now. Courage of speculation from me, obviously, Gareth, that you know, one of their mates might be through the door, you know, a mate with a matching Bret Hart, uh, Red Hoodie might also uh, you know, maybe follow them back through the door. But that's an overwhelming positive. You know, this tag division needs FDR. It needs the books back in it. Um get Penta and Phoenix back in it. Where's all where's Santana? Get Santana and Ortiz back together, get them in a room, make them mates again. Like uh let's get Aussie open on a more regular basis. They're the types of teams I want to see in this division. Um and yeah, FTR being back is a is a massive, massive positive. Um, hang yeah. hang, hang yeah. man and Mox versus FTR. Oh, there you go. Some men there having a <laughs> having a man fight and a, a glass of whiskey at the end. You can picture it now, can't you? All of them bloody Absolutely. in the ring. Speaking of bloody, how the fuck did Dax get busted open? That made no sense. I don't know. What the fuck was that? It was almost like performance art. It's like he ran down there and just went, I'll just whip out this little uh, razor blade. <laughs> <laughs> Jump in the ring. Just why? Shits and giggles. Oh. Well, from there... Into the big one, the main event, and I think the uh, the stage was set perfectly. Like I said earlier, the flow of this card was as good as you could expect to get to this point. Got to the point, you know, I was up watching this live. You know, it felt like it came at the right point. You know, it didn't feel like the show was 
gonna to run too long with it. And here we were, MJF and uh, and Brian Danielson. We got the big uh, big M. Speaking of uh, you know me conspiracy theories, big MJF entrance with the uh, with the mask that he wore when he uh, when he challenged Punk that time. Just saying. Um, also uh, had a little towel on and was eating some pickles and was uh, bloody at the press conference. Might be similar to a certain uh, Phil Brooks, but mm-hmm. anyway, anyway, I'll put that to one side. Um, big entrance for uh, for MJF. Uh, Brian, big entrance for Brian as well. And then they went out there and you know I. I've got to say, I'm not an Iron Man match fan. Um, as we've talked about a few times, JP, I think you've got a lot more tolerance for me. Um, I am on record, of course, calling the uh, the Sean and Brett one one of the worst matches of all time. Uh, maybe worst is wrong. Most boring is probably better. Um, there was a lot of pushback to that, to the idea that this might be bad on Twitter. You know, I, I saw somebody being like, well, Brian Danielson's in it, so of course it's going to be good. And it's like, well, Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart were in one, and that wasn't good. Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar were in one, and that wasn't good. There's... I am a matches at a wild west. It's there's no guarantee. I've seen Brian have bad, not bad, but boring long matches in my time. You know, the Austin Aries <laughs> one was was one that I was a little bit scared of being repeated the ear test on the limit. Um, but I guess in hindsight, I shouldn't have been scared because yeah, they went out there, did it, you know, and Brian Danielson took those lessons of the past and MGF clearly with a with a chip on his shoulder went out there to uh, to prove something and yeah, I'll uh, I let Gareth take the uh, the detail of it because I'm assuming he loved this one. Um, but needless to say, um, I thought this was very good. With the caveat of, I'm just wired not to enjoy long matches, so I've got a feeling I'm going to be lower than you guys on this one. But I want to hear your takes first because I think you're going to be higher on me, Gareth. What did you make of it? The, you know, the choice to go the hour, the choice to do the the overtime, and yeah, the performance of uh, of both in this one. Did they did they keep your uh, your attention for the full? What was it? Eighty minutes, I think it was. In the end, they were uh, they were out there. Well, it was my second favorite match of the night. So oh, okay. um, so I wasn't totally taken like with it. Obviously. I'm, I've well, I've gone four and a half on it. Like I, I, I really liked it. I saw five, like first thing when I put it on the app, I saw lots of fives and four point seven fives flying in for it before I'd had a chance to watch it. So I don't know. I was thinking, am I going in here with like massively high expectations? I think I'm probably a little bit like you in that I don't like. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of Ironman matches, but I think the construction of this was probably quite good in that the falls felt correct for what they needed to be at the times they were they played into mgf and mgf's character and things like that in terms of the falls that he got um i I think that again i think in the match they established you know there was you know there was clear things of like you know the Danielson's shoulder that was worked there, the MGF knee and things like that, that they managed to build in and then they worked into the match that made, you know, made sense across the hour with like different spots that they did and then the, the way that they like reacted to certain things. I think the match was used like positively in a way that like it showed that, you know, MGF can wrestle and then he did out grapple, you know, like Danielson at points during the match and you know he was you know on top as well so I think it kind of like served a good purpose from that point of view and you know at the end of the day if he is your world champion and you are putting a bit of money behind and a bit of push behind and he's someone who's there for the long term as much as the shithousery stuff kind of comes into play he still needs to be able to go out there and 
and wrestle and wrestle well. He's got to look credible. It's just that he chooses to use the shortcuts at his disposal to to get to get by when he when he can to make life easier and things like that. And again, I think that's something that they like established well. All in all, it kept my attention for ninety minutes. Like I've got got far too many notes here to sit down and break <laughs> down and think about on like one, just off the cuff on a one viewing. But is it a match that I'm ever going to go back and watch again in my life? Maybe if we ever review it in five years time or something like that, then, but am I ever going to sit down as a fan and go, do you know what? I'm just going to throw on that Danielson MGF match. That's, that's <laughs> something that I really, fa- <laughs> that, that's, that's what I really fancy watching. And that's the problem with Ironman matches. And that's why, like, for me, this match can't be, like, a five-star or anything like that. I just don't think it's got that rewatchability. What they delivered probably exceeded expectations or met expectations. Um, one of the things I didn't like, I didn't like the finish. I re- like, oh, I wished he just beat him after the oxygen hit. And that, oh, like, right, okay. I didn't like that. You, you know, I, 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 I wanted him to to to, right. to cheat okay, to cheat, mm. cheat, cheat to win. I just didn't like the idea that like um, Danielson's arm didn't drop for the. You know, he did. He dropped once, dropped twice. I was waiting for it to drop the third, and then he powered through. And then MJF holds on, and then Danielson taps. I don't like Daniel. I don't think he needs to tap to him. I think he's been whacked in the head with a. You know, he's been whacked in the head with an oxygen. Tank surely he's just is beaten because he's cheated, and I know he's lost. You think that'd of, knock someone out, wouldn't you? Because of that, I know that's why he lost because of that, and that mm. hold was applied. But I don't. It made, it made. I don't think it made Danielson look good. Like, I think it made Danielson look bad to me. That like I, I don't think that 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 he couldn't beat him then, but then he had to tap. I just didn't like that. That took a bit of shine off off, off the, the finish of the match for me. The counter might be, and this this is funny because it runs into a theory we always have here, is that like you know Tony Khan likes to do things in twos. What did he do earlier in the night with Hangman and Adam Moxley? Same thing, tap out finish, um, and he couldn't help but do it again because that's what he does. You know, another tap out finish is the main event. Did it not fit that same function in that like it put MJF over? Strong because I've heard the argument made that maybe it protected Brian because it was, I suppose, it protects his move because it's his move that has as MJF win. I don't know. I, I think I I subscribe to that a little bit because I think that sleight of hand of having MJF cheated, so you've got that out. Brian's got that out, but also you kind of have your cake and eating it too because you can say that for Brian, but for MJF that wasn't actually the finish. The finish was Brian fighting back. And then MJF making him tap out. So MJF got put over strong. You know, maybe it's a 60-40 thing um, in that, like, that's better for MJF than it is Brian. Mm. But I kind of think they had their cake in it, uh, uh, and too. But in a in a positive sense, I think they, they found a way, like with Hangman and, and Mox, to, to do both. Um, yeah. I, I, thought, I thought they'd earned the right to the shortcut is where I was at that point in time for it. Mm. I don't know. Should I go into it now? I don't know. Is Gareth, you've given your... I think Gareth's um, got a thought. Go on, Gareth. What do you think? What do you think to that? that, that I just, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I mean, I to, to me, like, I like, I just don't... Like, to me, I don't see that. Danielson's been whacked in the head with something. He's then put in that submission. He manages to not give in. His arm doesn't drop three times. 
and then the holds just still kept there. And then Brian Danielson has to tap out to, yes, it's his own hold. And yes, he's been whacked in the head with the, the oxygen tank. But like, like that's like, you, you win with, he's winning with the oxygen tank either way. Like, that's why he's won, because he's, he's hit him in the head with it. So Danielson can either not be able to respond because he's been knocked out, or one of your top performers can give in in that way at that moment. Like, you let him, to me, you let him, he can't respond because he's been, he's been wronged by MGF. Like, okay, he's, he's still been wronged, but, like, he's give up. Like, I was like, would Danielson do that? Like, I don't think he would. I don't, like, I don't, I just don't think he would. I think he would, the only way he wouldn't continue in that circumstance is because he can't continue because he's been knocked out. He's incoherent. He can't, like, he can't respond and, like, to, to give up. I just think. Get right into the weeds then. To you, what is the tap out? Is there, because that's always the thing with wrestling. Is he tapping out because it hurts so bad? Is he tapping out because of the damage that's going to be done, what's the logic to the tap-out in this moment? He's giving in. I can't take anymore. Like, And the, I think that's that distinction between you tap out or you, like, pass out. You can't like you can't respond, and like I always think that's where that's where you protect your baby face to some degree. Is the is the is the pass out? It's like they won't give up. They they they, they don't they they don't give up. But a strong baby faces don't give up, do they? They they like they they pass out. They they fight to the end. They do and like not an I just MMA, would not ex- it's not MMA though, is it? <laughs> yeah, I knew you were gonna. <laughs> is it not? I am just playing. Devil it's not real, man. Yeah. No, I know, I know. That's yeah. that, I, th- I think that's the thing for me. It's just it felt alien to have. Okay. Like now, so like when Danielson comes out next week and he's, oh, I'm going to kick your fucking head in. No, well, you might tap out. Like, like you might get some hit. Someone might hit you in the head, and you might give up. Mm. Like you're gonna give up, are you? Like you know, like or are you gonna try to the end? And the only reason I give up is because I pass out. Like I, I, again, it's it's detail, but he just felt weak to me at the end. If that's if we take that as a red, then though, is the not would the argument not be Brian isn't the point here? The point is MJF to get him over. I was gonna say, yeah, you as that credible, <laughs> give him that. Give he's a slime because he cheated. But again, like I say. You're getting both. You're getting that, and you're also getting he has come out of this being what he says he is. You know, somebody that can go an hour, somebody that is credible as a world champion. You know, I think he got that credibility. He outgrappled him at points. He lasted an hour with him at points. He, mm. you know, he he he, he bettered him, and you know, they were literally head to head head at the at the end. Okay, MJF cheated to get some like his pinfalls during during the match, but as a heel, like. So I think I think MGF gained a ton of credibility throughout that sixty minutes. He didn't need that like he didn't get the cherry on top of the cake there. He got the fucking he got a truckload of cherries poured on the top of Danielson's head that Danielson was buried under for me. Like Go on, but I kind of think he should have in many ways. I mean, I kind of looked at this. It's 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 fascinating here in discussion. I mean, I kind of am less bothered probably about the the ending necessarily of the match because I was just I was so pleased by what I'd seen before that to get to that stage. I thought they've earned the right to it. And the MJF character is a shitheel who will do anything 
in order to win. So I was kind of fine with that. And I thought ultimately came into this, I think I'd, I'd said been pretty consistent saying, actually, this is going to be better than what we think it's going to be. He yeah, is going to surprise us. This was something that I did genuinely believe that this level of performance was there. It exceeded my expectations for what he could do. Um, particularly because like the questions one here is like, can he go an hour without feeling like he's being entirely carried? Yeah. Um, would they maintain the audience heat? Absolutely. Does he have the credibility? Gareth mentions there, there's a time he's out grappling him, he's out wrestling him. And obviously as well, there's also a kind of overacting thing, which I didn't like, but I kind of also got why he did it, which is he's so like bitter about the fact, which is the fundamental core of the MJF character, is that he is bitter about how he was treated by the world and being overlooked. So he's going to, he's going to overact certain things in certain ways because he's just going to prove necessarily how he can do that. Would it drag? No. Did they structure it right? Yeah. I think the first falls come in, is it 35 minutes in and the way that it happens? And I know there was the talk about like, and I wish Justin Roberts had given some kind of an announcement because I think that would have necessarily helped. But I really, I thought that was like the idea of the two pinfalls really quickly was something I've been thinking about for fucking years this as well and the big difference steamboat uh, like, oh, rude stuff in it it's what they did yeah oh yeah it's, it's exactly what they should be doing the idea of not having any rest periods it's like well if you haven't got rest periods then this is what you do you're not gonna have rest periods you're gonna dive in there and try and get four or five falls aren't you you're gonna try and cash in on those kind of moments um in I thought, like, you know when you spoke about Michael's heart the great failing of it is you realize quite quickly no one's getting pinned here and so it's boring. So you're waiting for people fucking around. You don't have that here. Like in terms of the spacing out of the falls, I think it allowed to add the drama. The idea that MJF would be so blown up, he has to go out and have a water break yeah. all the time, as well as Taz, who I thought actually that the right, thank God Ross was nowhere near the commentary team at this point oh, in yeah, time. I was really grateful of that because I thought they did a tremendous job of it uh, um, here right, as well. Taz kept going on about the fact you're not supposed to drink water. I don't think that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I think that might have been true in the 90s, but I don't think like football players... I've never seen him do an hour-long or... match in his yeah. life. He's not watched the London Marathon, has he? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think when I looked back on it and how I felt about all of it on here, um, like, and there's so many, like I said, Gareth, there's so many like little thoughts I've got about like kind of the match and things around it. He answered all of those questions. Brian Danielson being amazing and having a great match is not a surprise to anyone. MJF doing it, yeah, because we've seen it in big spots before. It hasn't worked. The Cody stuff didn't really like work. It didn't like as as like a the payoff on pay per view wasn't really a, a very good match. His better matches were things like Jungle Boy and Darby Allen. You know, kind of put him in there with the kind of almost the contemporaries of of his generation. He's not going to be the best wrestler in the world, but as Gareth pointed out. He doesn't need to be. He can have great matches in big main events. And this proves it. This is going above and beyond the call of duty. If one of those fucking lads from the 80s and early 90s had done something like this, you'd be hailing him as the second coming. Because it's 2023, we have a certain expectation that wrestlers should be able to do it. He won falls with different moves. He didn't betray his character. He never forgot about the knee selling as long as it went it never fucking dragged. It was a bit weird. Like I thought at the beginning, by the way, when he came out for his music, I thought it was like the entrance. I thought it was going to be like the beginning of the last song at the end of Bugsy Malone. 
Because all I could hear was, and I was expecting to hear, we could have been anything that we wanted to be, but we didn't, sadly, because that would have been great as well. And they created genuine drama. Like, they really believed, like, this audience on here. Like I've mentioned about Arsenal-Bournemouth a couple of times, when it was 3 all. And you're into like the last five minutes and real fucking Arsenal Bournemouth vibes of it of what of what was gonna happen. And for that reason, for all of these, and it I've gone five stars. I think this and I don't do that very, very often. For me, when I was watching it in the moment afterwards, I went, I fucking loved this. And it it isn't perfect. It's kind of like like a massive spectacular kind of blockbuster of a kind of a match. And again, Ironman matches and longer matches. I think my, I've got more mileage on them than I think certainly you, Benno on here. Like I, I but I, th- it, it never lost me. I wasn't bothered about the length of the match. In fact, there were times I was quite glad when it went into the 10 minutes of extra time as well. And I was fine with it and I was never bored. Oh, you muted yourself, JP. That's so exciting. You hit mute on uh, StreamYard. He got so excited we've, uh, we've lost him, Gareth. He's <laughs> <laughs> literally, literally no, speechless. No <laughs> he enjoyed it so much. I got it. I think you unmuted yourself. There you we go. go. There you go. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't press it the seconds I ran. This is computer doing some fucking bullshit <laughs> on there. I, I Honestly, I, I loved this match. It delivered a big main event match. And it answered a lot of questions that I kind of personally wanted answers. Is there five-star matches that I'm going to prefer more? Obviously. But I think it's up there. You know, when I watch it again, I think I am predisposed to want to see this again. Not immediately, because it's a long match. But there is so much about this match that I really, really loved. Five stars. Damn the pair of you. <laughs> yeah, Davy, that yeah, that's fair enough. And you're not the only one. A lot of people went went five on it. Um, I wanted to let you two guys go go first because I knew you'd be higher on it than me. I actually thought Gareth would be closer to to that than me. I'm somewhere between four point two five and four and a half. I think it got me to to four and a half with, and that's this is more a me thing. That's why I wanted you guys to go because it is just I just don't like long matches and. You know, I definitely was drifting for the first 20 minutes to half an hour. But then the thing that I will say about it that made it, a, you know, despite me saying that made it a four and a half star match, was I felt like the second half of the hour was so, so good that it dragged even me into it. And I thought the overtime period was so, so good that it that it pulled me into it and, and went from me thinking, oh, I'm going to be miles away from everybody else on there on my rating for this one when it's all said and done. And, you know, the work was so good that it that it that it pulled me up to there. And, you know, everything you both said, the you know, the, the way they use the falls, the, the you know, the, the DQ thing I loved, same as you, JP, um, and the drama, you know, towards the end where it did, it felt, you know, I lost myself in this idea that I had going in that Brian was never, ever, ever, ever in a million years going to win this match. And then you know when they you know when they were t- tied falls and when it got towards the end of, end of the hour, I was kind of starting to believe that like you know Brian might well be able to pull this out and might be able to pull something out of it and that says everything about how good you know the work was uh, in in here. So yeah, you know I wouldn't go five on it. Um, it wasn't there for me, but 
you know, like I say, JP, you're not, you're absolutely not on an island. I think if anything, I'll be the exception, and maybe Gareth a little bit to 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 a lot of people's takes on it. Um, but yeah, absolutely, absolutely fair enough. Um, but yeah, it was. I, I, the, the last thing I'll say is it's as good as I could have hoped it to be, you know, an Iron Man match at the end of a long Tony Khan booked AEW pay-per-view. Did any of us predict it going this well? I know you were bullish on it being, you know, better than people thought thought it was going to be, JP, but, you know, it's an overwhelming success of a match, isn't it? Um, yeah. Know, I don't think there's anybody out there that uh, that hated this thing. Um, did, did JP talk you around at all, Gareth, on being maybe a little bit more in the air? The opposite end of the the finishing sequence and all of that stuff. I mean, not on the finish. I don't want my judgment of the match to get totally like just tied into that because you know, like I say up front, like I did, like I, I did enjoy it. As I said there, I thought it was the placement of the falls, the way the falls were delivered, and things enough, yeah. they all worked. I think the match as a whole, like you know, definitely kind of helped establish and cement MGF's credibility at the top of the card. You know, even small things like right at the start where there was obviously that so much more pomp and circumstance around MGF's entrance and Danielson was very much more, you know, fucking about with Justin Roberts bow tie and like <laughs> just smiling, laughing yeah, at the crowd and stuff. He was it was very much that kind of thing of like I've been here before and stuff like that, whereas it felt bigger for MGF. And then even I think there was a point in the match where like I don't know, it was like maybe like forty minutes in where he was on top and he started to just be a bit more cocky and being more of his own character and things like that as well. And it was almost like for the MGF character, there was that point in the match where he was like, Oh no, I can live at this level kind of thing on my, on my, on my way. That sort of came through as well, which was like a, almost like a character side of thing that came, came through alongside the wrestling side. So it served a perfect um, purpose for everything like uh, on that. I just, um, I just, yeah, it was just just that end. The the end definitely like took a took away from it for me. But at the end of the day, it's a four and a half star match. It was fucking brilliant. I enjoyed watching it. I enjoyed watching every moment until the final second, and I went, oh, <laughs> like you know, and, and that. And I never like to think at the end of a brilliant match. Oh, I like to think yes, <laughs> like kind of, that was brilliant, you know, like and that's the, that's the mood it left. You know, it left it left me in, but you know. It, it flew by. It, flew, it genuinely, genuinely flew mm. by. Like, like, like you say, it going about eighty minutes in total. You know, didn't didn't feel like it. The bit where I agree with you, Gareth, is like the on Brian is he has been defined at a certain level in AEW, which is unfortunate. He's not that tippy tippy top guy in AEW. He's a top guy. Don't get me wrong, but what's this? His fourth title match that he's lost now. Like, I don't think anyone ever believes that he's ever going to... Like, in AEW, he's been, you know... If, if you want to be a pessimist about it, slotted at the place WWE tried to force him to be all those years ago. I am a little bit, as a broad strokes thing, maybe more than just the finish of this match, a little bit disappointed he, you know, he didn't come in like... like It's it's because he's so unselfish, you know? It was probably his idea to tap out to MJF, wasn't it? Like, he's been slotted at a certain level, but he goes out there, he has four matches, you can heat him up to be the challenger of the month, but they're not exploiting him at that t- tippy top level as one of the biggest wrestling stars in the world, which I, I still believe he was when he came into AEW. I think he's maybe that notch below now, um, and that's kind of hap- eroded a little bit over time as placing AEW. Again, not saying he's bottom of the card, but he's not in that elite class as he in, 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 in AEW. 
do you know what it feels like for me and like this not i'm not talking like work here obviously kind of thing but we're talking position it feels a little bit like randy savage 1992 to me or something like that in that he's a guy who's taken seriously is somebody who can be like he can he can headline a pay-per-view he can be a you know world title contender that you can believe is maybe going to win and things like that but he's been treated as somebody who's is he's almost like especially savage was treated like he was 55 he was like what like this he's it's like come on there's years left here (laughs) is a a little bit kind of not quite special attraction but reliable kind of Mm. plug-in kind of you, you, you know top end of the card guy who's not gonna you know who's 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 not gonna be more like it it definitely feel but well, she was more he probably doesn't like want I wish he, he probably was, doesn't want more no but i wish he was more of a cunt i wish he was more yeah. like phil and he wanted to be champion and he wanted to not lose to people and he wanted to you know yeah that's the thing he's like he's wired like kenny kenny can often be where you have to drag him kicking and screaming into a money-making position he just wants to fucking you know wrestle guys on dark if you let him do what he wants to do like he'd be happy doing that and i've said before i enjoy that stuff and if he's not going to be the world champion then i you know that's no bad thing i enjoy those matches but there is a yeah a part of me it's a little bit and, 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 and should he be world champion that's like an, a, a whole say, yeah. debate in it d- debate in itself like he can he, he can be doing a lot of positive things on the card potentially without needing without needing that belt around his waist he can, he can be adding value in a lot of areas but they've got to make sure that they utilize him correctly to add value and i'm that's one of my nervousness things there with the end of that with that finish i I'm, I'm a bit like, well, what does Danielson do now from here? Like, what does what does he mean to in AEW yeah. now? Kind of that's that's my, like Matty will say, like say with you, what's next? Kind of thing, and that's yeah. that's where like it feels a bit like that's just left with me is just feeling a bit like where does Danielson go from here? Like, where, how does this impact his character and the way he presents himself and things? Like, I don't know, I don't know. It's uh, we will see. Yeah. It's all one big long-term story. This wrestling <laughs> business we've been watching forever. That's it, and yeah, I mean, I suppose uh, overall thoughts as the uh, as the pay per view goes. Like I say, is it the best AW pay per view ever, Gareth? <sighs> I don't know, but it's fucking up there. I literally, like, literally, I, I I enjoyed so many things throughout this card. It didn't overstay its welcome. Stuff happened that needed to happen in the majority of areas, like, you know, in terms of, as JP alluded to earlier, bringing an end to certain storylines or just serving a purpose as an in-between it to things moving on to the to the next um, next storylines. I think one of the things about this is, like, you, obviously we talked about, like, the... Um, you know, things like Forbidden Door, like on the day, like a show just delivering and the TV, maybe not necessarily like bleeding into it. There was a point where I was watching this show where I just felt like I'm really enjoying this and it feels massively disconnected to Dynamite. It just felt like this standalone show that was just like, yes, there's story, there's backstory behind some of these matches, but it just felt like something that was just there in its own kind of universe with lots of good stuff happening that hopefully kind of felt like it was a catalyst for some better things to come which how many times have i said and thought that and then you know things um you know i don't know don't necessarily have that level of level of follow-up but it was you know it was better than and i think it was better than anybody expected it was going to be and it was it was right up there like from an enjoyment point of view 
I think it's up there with Forbidden Door and I think there's a few mm. there for me really as far as the best AEW pay-per-views. It might be the best. Pay-per-views. All out. Yeah, I suppose so. Mm. It would definitely be up there from uh, an in-ring perspective, but I'm sorry, I've um, not not been uh, on the on the call for the last couple of minutes. I mean, I'd, you're talking about where it ranks in terms of all-time shows. Yeah, is it the yeah, best AEW show? I would, yeah, I also think what will be important is whether or not after this pay-per-view, can we do a proper reset of a few things and mix up a few more people to make them interesting? Because you think of all the possible dynamics they could have, and at times they go for what is possibly like the least interesting kind of variations of them. You mentioned like Omega versus Malachi Black. If we can avoid some supernatural bollocks, that that's a fun dynamic. You know, there are things where I was thinking, I know you put Ricky Starks in there with Adam Cole or something along those lines, just to kind of, I know, I'm just picking names off the top of my head here, rather than revisiting. <laughs> no, oh yeah, make him watch it. But, but like, you kind of almost say, well, those two really should be taking on one another in order to become the number one babyface challenger post Adam Page. That, that's the kind of things that you would want, is like, people should be taking each other on because they go, right, I'm never going to get a title shot unless I beat this kind of person here rather than we bumped into each other backstage, so therefore we've got to have a fight now. Which, you know, if we can move away from that shit, then then we'll be in a in a much better place. Well, yeah, I think that ties it up as far as the, the pay-per-view review mm-hmm. goes. And, uh, I think we, can't, we hit the numbers as well, didn't we, really? Um, there's probably yeah. a bigger conversation to have about the... Uh, we'll have to get you back on for that one, I think, Gareth, the, uh, the year-on-year uh, on year conversation. I would recommend people go listen to uh, Wrestling Homage mm. from this week. It'll be uh, music to your ears, Gareth. <laughs> to what JP was just saying. Gareth was saying that a year ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a bigger conversation to be had there, isn't there, about the uh, the weekly mm. TV, you know? And such um, is the broad strokes that people have been. <laughs> yeah, pe- people have been very selective about the metrics when it comes to AEW, and have not wanted to look at the kind of. I know it's on one of the charts; it was like down thirty-five percent or something, like one of the categories, and it might have been like even kind of like attendance and other stuff like that. And it's not been spoken about because, and I think even with this pay per view, one hundred and thirty to one hundred forty thousand is a lovely distraction point away from the fact that they're not selling out. A- like what is not exactly the biggest arena in the world for a pay-per-view and they only do four of them a year I think that's something that should be kind of noted and I think that says more about the build than the match itself every one of those people who went I imagine absolutely loved the show but you know with a better build dare I say you might sell out a fucking place yeah get your uh, get your nose out of the quarter of hours and uh Take a bit more of a helicopter view of things and look at the uh, look at the bigger picture. That's what people need to be uh, doing. Something's gone down five percent between fucking nine o'clock and twenty past nine. It doesn't matter one bit. <laughs> like you know, look. But if you are interested in that, listen to our Patreon weekend show on Friday. <laughs> so we can do exactly that. And we'll over as all. That's where the basketball started then, or whatever the challenges on MTV that I still never worked out. <laughs> Oh, well, yeah, we've, we've gone a bit long with the pay-per-view review, so I don't know, is there anything you guys want to quickly talk about before we uh, we go? Um... Can I do a couple of bits and bobs? I'll be very quick about it. Yeah, go for it. David Hindley. Uh, David Hindley? I was thinking of Myra right. Hindley there. That's bad, isn't it? <laughs> Jesus, it says more about me as a human being than anything else. Let's talk Myra Hindley. What a great place to end a wrestling podcast. Um, no, David Finley joining Bullet Club. 
Not Myra Hindley joining Bullet Club either. <laughs> Should be making jokes about her. People don't get well, happy about when this When they run stuff. out of generic guys, you know, Ghetto is going to hitch his wagon to someone. It could be. Who knows? Yeah. And that's what, I mean, he, again, I saw him when he came out. This match against Ishii, by the way, in the New Japan Cup, actually quite good. Mm. <laughs> um, and I think Ishii would have struggled to, to carry Myra Hindley to a three and a half star <laughs> match. But no, actually, no, it, it was it was actually quite a decent match. Except now he's dressed up like a glam rocker, and he's got Ghetto by his side. And you've just mentioned it's... I thought you had Ishii then. Sorry, that'll <laughs> be a look. That'll be a look. Look, I've wanted some changes in New Japan for a long time. That's a step too far, even for me. Um, I'm not con- like it. It doesn't make Bullet Club feel like something that should even be in existence. It feels kind of like it makes sense, but it's also kind of lazy. However. I think David Finley could do something as a wrestler. The problem is, is the Bullet Club and Ghetto stuff is going to be the thing that holds him back. I think because I think he's a decent upper middle, upper mid carder. Not saying main events, not a fucking lunatic, but he actually can have some very good matches. So that was that was from the anniversary show. It's all about. I saw that one when we first saw him when he attacked Jay White, and it was like, oh, he's just doing budget Jay White, isn't he? And he literally is down to literally taking his point in the, his point yeah. in the stable, dressing like him, acting like him. It was doing budget Akada, budget oh. Balor as well, aren't we? So and yeah, where was basically doing budget Kenny at the start as well. It's it's very mid for me. I'm like, yeah, Bullet Club being run by him and Juice Robinson says everything about like that brand at this point. Let's bin that off. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was there was that that I saw. Um, and then I did flick through some Raw today where I saw a lot of people going mad for the Jey Uso turning heel angle. Um, There's a bigger certainly... conversation there, mate, but I, I I mean, Matty will fight me on it. But I think Sami Zayn has already been defined down. I regret defending him even a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I just think this tag I think match, he is. Matty can tell us all the WWE fans are into it, and they are. There was a reaction in the building, I suppose. It's beneath what Sami Zayn was gonna be. Like I, I would, I more than ever believe they should have done two main events. It should have been Sami Roman and Sami and um, Cody Roman on two nights of Mania. Other than Cody Cena, on, on night one, as you both know from my uh, my fantasy book, and I was throwing in the chat today that Matty was having none of. I'd also have Brock Lesnar in an interesting match, but that's just me. Um, <laughs> I don't think it. yeah. I just if it, it's it's Sam, Sami Zayn's messing around with. Roman's goons now. That's where he is on the on the totem pole, yeah. and it's gonna it's a it's gonna be a lukewarm ending to a red hot feud. Um, Hottie, I not, have not, to... not that I watch the product, but the danger with that as well is that I just think is the, like people aren't gonna shit on it the same way as they would have done like ten years ago or five years ago and things like that. I think they'll just. The WWE audience these days will just fucking eat that up. Like, I, I, yeah. I, I, I feel like, you know, night after WrestleMania crowd and all this, and and, and you know the, you know the two sides of the you know opinion and all it. Everybody just fucking watches AEW now. Who was in was yeah. in that crowd? They've just gone fuck it. We don't want to watch this shit. We'll watch that. Move over there, and the the, the WWE crowd just eat it up. So they'll probably just move on to the next thing and say it's great and 
ditch mm. ditch Sammy anyway. I don't, I don't even think it'll register like the, this thing of him falling off. It'll they'll just see it as oh, that was a nice end to that greatest story ever told. Like just they got one good story in twenty years, mate, and you know they're not, they're never gonna let it lie. <laughs> I also thought I want to say JV like this the Cena stuff. Fuck, like it was entertaining watching them tear down Austin Theory. Yeah. If, if the end goal is a match, like don't get me wrong, I'm not the Austin Theory defender. I think he's shit too. Why would I care about that match now? Like it's I mean it's Cena just completely I... completely dressed him down and just basically told us all he was shit. Like that was it, that's your will now. I, yeah. I enjoyed Cena and Cody having their little one on one, which was uh, which was odd. Um, you know, felt a bit yeah. out of place on the show, but you know. Yeah. Um it, <laughs> weird. Yeah, I it, it was very weird him doing that. I mean it was like I say, it was it was also kind of funny, but it was it felt like, well, what would Vince say and tell them to do? <laughs> well, go, like, absolutely oh, go in there and rip them to shreds. <laughs> and um yeah, I mean I could I don't know, but there was like a mysterious old man who looked like a, a plastic vulture with no morals walking around with a with a with a moustache. So whether <laughs> or not that guy. person had any involvement in any of the booking in, in any stage whatsoever. Like you, Ben, I, I want to see that fucking photo. Do you think he just went up and just nicked the Tyrannosaurus head as well? Just thought, oh, I'll have this when I'm going into the office. Uh, and at the same time, I, I will can't. say, we, we got our laughs off, and I'm probably going to use that as the intro to the show. But there's a very serious story there. Like, an alleged rapist is back, and it's just fine. And he's there, and he's whaming his fucking way back in, and, you know, he's, uh, oh, got him, he, he, he's back, just accept it. They're not even acknowledging back. it. Yeah. They, like, they don't even acknowledge he's done anything wrong. Because they don't think he has, or they're well, certainly too scared to say that he has. And for all the moral indignation of anyone getting upset about MJF committing the crime of chucking some water over a fucking child. Oh, God, we wasted like, time on that. <laughs> I don't care. Oh, I, I, so am I. It, I looked at that and I just thought, got nothing really to get in, a bit bored, nothing else to get upset by. It's like, stop getting upset over that shit. It was tequila in there. And I was like, well, how much fucking tequila is in fucking double pint glass then? I think the bigger question is about the mum taking a kid to a pay-per-view and getting completely cunted on tequila then in that <laughs> case, rather than the bloke who fucking... Come on. Sorry, come bollocks. On. Um, but I was... Yeah, but like, you let Vince go back, but Vince coming back, absolutely fine, completely in charge again. It was going to happen. If you thought he wasn't going to come back, then you really didn't know about anything about wrestling in the first place, or certainly not Vince McMahon. Um, and I think it's, yeah, it, it's... Triple H will be booking NXT it, again by July. And yeah. Saudis will be in if, <laughs> Post-WrestleMania, I think the idea is they give Sammy the big moment with Kevin Owens headlining on night one against the Usos. That That's it. That's his reward. And after that, back down to the mid-card you go. I would argue that is mid-card, but uh, again, Marty will kill yeah. me. Um, <laughs> anything else? Everything's mid-card unless it's Roman Reigns. So. That, that's true. No. Matty would take that as a positive, not a negative. Um, but anywho, any, anything else, Gareth? No, I won't. Re- I won't relay my Cena wins uh, from the chat. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> In Hollywood, the Hollywood star. Good call. He should. He should be. Uh, should be. Uh, what would you do? WrestleMania nine again? Is that what we're going for? <laughs> that's what. That's what. That's what to you're win going the for. US title. No, 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 no. Lose on DQ there and uh, coming. Um, Come and beat Roman. He's just Brutus Beefcake in this scenario. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Cardona comes back there to be go. his beefcake. 
Alex, uh, Alex Riley. Oh, fucking hell, yeah. Just say it to his face. <laughs> well, on that note, there we go. Got a couple of uh, quick hits in there. But yeah, mm. outside of that, um, any plugs, JP? Anything we want to throw out there? Oh, loads of plugs. Uh, go to the Patreon. Obviously, we're going to be having, in terms of upcoming shows, we've got the new Time Show coming up. We've got uh, an Observe This that's going to be coming up. We've got the Weekend Show coming up as well. Um, we've all just had the dealers. Make, that's a scary thing. <laughs> There'll be a lot on that weekend. Fucking hell. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's just terrifying the amount of stuff we're going to have to get through watching on that. Um, yeah, we've just I've just put up a latest episode of Hello There, reviewing the uh, season opener of season three of um, The Mandalorian as well. If you want to get all that goodness, go to patreon.com forward slash grapple. Love the first five minutes of that podcast when UWH are having a great chat. Um, it's brilliant, really. The Canadian indie wrestling, and then afterwards we talk. We talk Star Trek, as you like yeah, to then accuse I'm off. me. <laughs> then I'm off. But, you know. To which I'll mention I've not seen Star Trek since some point in the early two thousands. <laughs> No, I know the people who are uh, who are fans of that are very much enjoying that. So yeah, definitely go uh, check that. It's on the YouTube, and yeah, important point yep. is the audio is on the Patreon, but it's free for all. You can go there and, uh, and yeah, yeah. play. Uh, patrons get the added bonus of it in their in their podcast player, but uh, everyone else can go to the uh, the Patreon and uh, and listen to uh, to that. But yeah, outside of that, yep. Yeah, thank you uh, all our patrons who tuned in. Thanks to our Kings of the Mountain, Carga, Robert Brocky, Conor Lachlan, Eddie Sabins, and you Kings of the Mountain, Chris Platt, and Simon Mulvaney, who's uh, tucked up in bed. Who we are getting too soon for his king of the mountain chase other than that folks download the grapple app sorry missed that out Gareth grapple app.com slash support if you still haven't seen the pay-per-view um, <laughs> that everything that covers it we'll see you again soon bye Sarah. we could have been anything that we wanted to be and it's not too late to change I'd be delighted to give it some thought maybe you'll agree that we really aren't two, three, four we could have been anything that we wanted to be yes that decision is ours Where we could divide it Let friendship double up our cars We could have been anything that we wanted to be Well, I'm going at the end Yeah, quite a creepy film if you go back and watch it in hindsight If if children were mobsters Um... Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. 
Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yep, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now, but I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra $0.25 a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a $0.25 a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR.